Blog Talk Radio. everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We have a great lineup for you tonight. We're excited to bring on a college athletic director. We got a, a, a player that has done well for himself. He's a business owner. We have a basketball coach, a high school basketball coach, and then we also have a financial advisor that's going to join us as well. So we got a great lineup for you today. But first, before we go, Drew, once again, just who is the West Foundation? The West Foundation, we're a nonprofit, and our goal is to help kids to understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. Now, we want these kids to chase their dreams. That's what we want them to do. We want them to put that work in to chase that dream. But studies show and statistics show that for most of them, they're going to go professional in something other than their chosen sport. So what we want to do is give these kids an opportunity to develop some tools that they can put on their tool belt to find that success that they yearn to have. And all of that work that they put in while they were playing that sport, use that same type of work ethic um, when they get into the workforce and find success. But again, we got to make sure that we prepare them for that. It's not just going to happen. We have to prepare these kids. Now, one of the things that, that I like to do is just come up with a thought of the day. The thought today is positive thinking. One of the things that I, I believe is very important is you got to train your mind to find the good in everything. One of my beliefs is that life is 10% of what happens and 90% of how you react to it. So there's going to be some good things that happen to you in life. There are going to be some tough things. But how we react to those things is really going to determine what happens next. And then as we just think about positive thinking, you also got to think of the self-confidence that you got to have because you can never outperform your own self-beliefs. So if you believe that you have, you're going to be successful, you have a better chance of being successful. If you believe you're going to fail, there's a better chance of you failing. Now, in... Proverbs 18.21 says there's death and life in the power of the tongue. Now, I believe that carries over to your thoughts as well. Not all the time, but if you think negatively, more than likely some negative things are going to happen. And I really feel sorry for people that, that have that mentality, but I don't ever want to expect anything good to happen because I don't want to be disappointed. Well, I would rather be disappointed because something good didn't happen then just expect life to be just one disappointment after another and never look for anything good. So go on and have that positive mindset. Because here's another fact. If you put a small value on yourself, I guarantee you, and this is a guarantee, that the world would not raise the price tag. To meet your potential, the first thing you got to do is believe in yourself. And once you believe in yourself, 
then you can go on and start putting that work ethic in that you need to to find that success that you would like to have, then there's a better chance for success to happen. But if I don't believe in myself, there's a great chance I'm not going to put that work in that I need to because I don't think it's going to happen anyway. So why go on and work hard if I don't think I'm going to be successful? That makes no sense. So you got to have that self-confidence in yourself. you got to believe that you have an opportunity to do that. And again, going back to, to pretty much our mission, we want people to believe that they have an opportunity to play on a professional level. Because here's another truth. There's a lot of people that have the ability to play professional sports, but something happened and they didn't get the opportunity. Whether it was an injury, whether it just wasn't a right fit, or whatever it was. So there's a lot of people that are talented enough to play at the next level, but the cards didn't work out for them. But once again, if you believe in yourself, then you're going to go on and work a little bit harder towards the goal that you set for yourself. And once you go on and put that work ethic in, now you got an opportunity. And if you got an opportunity, then there's a chance. And that's what you got to do. You got to put yourself in that situation where you have an opportunity to be successful. Now, today, once again, we got a great lineup. And my partner in crime today is, is a guy that, that I had an opportunity to play college football with down at the Citadel. Is none other than a guy that was a wide receiver and a running back, uh, my man, Mike Flynn. Mike, how's everything going? Everything's good, Everett. Appreciate you having me on tonight. Hey man, I appreciate you coming on with us, man. It's uh, we got a great lineup, so we're looking forward to having great conversations today. Absolutely, absolutely. This is a wonderful thing you're doing. I'm glad to be on your show. Hey man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. You know, and like I said, the big thing that we want to do is we just want to help kids put themselves in position to be successful. And you know, a lot of what we do, we want to give kids just that vision. So they can say, hey, I got a chance to do that. And a lot of times that's all they need is a push. And then something that we're going to hit on later on today, which I think is a huge thing, is the financial literacy piece. Because I think even the guys that make it to the NFL, a lot of them are not financially literate. And that's why I think it's about 80% of them are broke five years after they got out of the league. Yeah. Which that's a lot of money that passed through their hands, not to have any of it in five years. No, I tell you, I, I wish that, you know, when I was coming up, they would have had financial courses and budgeting and all that stuff that, you know, sometimes you don't even learn in college. You learn through the knocks of hard life. Um, exactly. And, exactly. You know, if these guys were to, were to get at an early stage, um, I think it would go a long way. So I think this is great, uh, especially having this uh, your speaker on tonight to, to learn some more. I'm looking forward to, to hearing him. I might learn some more myself. Hey, man. Hey, you got to keep learning. You got to keep learning. That's one That's thing right. you got to do. Right. That's one thing that you got to do. And you know what? You know, one thing that uh, before we even get to sports, I had a checklist here that I wanted to share with everybody. Um, and it's five ways to be more positive. Um, the first is count your blessings. You can't be stressed. And counting your blessings at the same time. It's hard. It's hard to be sitting here talking about I'm worried about this and I'm being thankful for all the things that I have. The next thing is see your challenges as opportunities for growth. 
you know, Mike, there's a lot of things that, that really change our outlook on life based on how we look at things. Absolutely. The third, the third one is don't listen to your negative thoughts. And and that's one that at times can be uh, easier said than done. The fourth one is feed yeah. yourself with positive encouragement. And then the last one is choose faith instead of fear. Amen. So those are, are five yeah. things that help you be more positive. And I guarantee you, if you're more positive, one, you'll be more pleasant to be around. Two, you're probably going to have a better opportunity of being successful. What do you think about that, Mike? I think it it all centers around attitude. And what you what you had said earlier, you I think it was it may have been a small quote out of Chuck Swindell about the the ninety ten. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you have a good attitude, you're going to get through a lot of things, and people are going to um, they're going to hire you for it, regardless of the experience. Um, I had to manage four states at one time and interviewed a lot of people. And there was a lot of people that had a lot more experience than, um, than some younger ones coming up. And, but they had great attitudes and you can, you can train people, uh, to do what you, you know, need them to do with a good attitude. Mm -hmm. But, um, you can have all the experience in the world. Uh, and if you don't have a good attitude and, 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 can appreciate the blessings that you have, then, you know, you really don't bring much to the team, unfortunately. And and that's, you know, that's kind of how I live my life is attitude and the blessings that, that I have. Uh, it just, it, it speaks volumes of, um, of the individual. So, uh, I think you're spot on and I love those, those, those five topics that you brought up. Outstanding. Well, hey, let's get into a little sports. Now, this was a crazy week in sports already. You know, I really thought with COVID and all the things that's going on that nobody was going to get fired this year. But the Texans has already pulled the trigger. Four games into the season with COVID, they have pulled the trigger. Wow. Yeah, that's that's all you can say. I didn't. I didn't see that one coming, but you know, it, it is the, uh, the NFL, and if you're not winning, um, you're losing. <laughs> right. right. I didn't, that, that was quick. That was quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's normally it's usually about halfway through the season before they start pulling the trigger on people. But <laughs> four games in, that's hey. <laughs> and, and they made the playoffs pretty much every year. He's been there too, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. So, um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out and who's, who's yeah, going to do what. Exactly. Yeah, and then there's still one game that was postponed last year, the Titans and the Steelers, um, which yeah, I am right. a Steelers fan. So I, I was waiting now, to see I, that one because both of them are 3-0. and uh, Yep, I grew up a Steelers fan. Lynn Swan, Terry Bradshaw, that was who I yep. had, And I never liked the Cowboys and for some reason still don't today. <laughs> hey, hey! Don't know but, why. But, just... Hey, and it's it's one of those things, you know. One, you know, you can't like the Steelers and then like Dallas. It's it's almost one of the things that just can't happen. I know, and, I and that goes on to the next one. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
no, it, you know, we're talking about it's funny how I I can I can pull for the Steelers and not Dallas, but you know, being here in South Carolina, you either pull for Clemson or Carolina, but mm-hmm. you know, and and you were obviously a coach for South Carolina and right. uh, and I and but but playing for the Citadel and I I can go to a Carolina game and wear garnet and black and I can go to a Clemson game and wear purple and orange. Um, and people were like, how do you do that? I was like, I guess, I, you know, my love for the Citadel, I just don't get, you know, involved with uh, with Clemson, mm-hmm. Carolina. I mean, I love them. I got friends and coaches that, that play for them, you and, and Bill Spires and Will Spires for Clemson. And, um, right. But I, I like them both. People say you're crazy. You can't do that, but I can. <laughs> well, hey, I think the only reason you can wear that purple for Clemson because it's a different purple than that Furman purple. I can't stand that Furman purple. <laughs> it is a double purple. I will not do that. I wear orange and not purple. I still don't like purple. Hey, but speaking of Dallas, the Cleveland Browns, which Stump Mitchell, who's class of 81, Citadel class of 81, yep. he's the running back coach. I actually had opportunity to uh, do an internship with them last summer. Uh, so I was definitely pulling for the Browns. And they beat up on Dallas last week, which was good to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always liked the Browns, and I love Stump. And what you were only what, just a hundred yards shy of breaking his record? One hundred and thirty-three, to be exact. One hundred and thirty-three. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was. <laughs> still, still uh, second leading rusher, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to blame it on VMI. That time we beat VMI 50 to nothing. You know, if that game was tighter, maybe I could have got more yards. <laughs> what they, they put in, Travis, at that time? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, uh, you know, something that's crazy is right now there's still six teams in the NFL that are undefeated. Um, the Steelers wow. are 3-0. and The Titans are 3-0. and the Chiefs are 4-0. The Bills. It's the first time in a long time that the Bills have been 4-0. Oh, yeah. Andre's loving it over there. Yep. We got Andre Roberts, who was actually our guest a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're yep, doing it yep, up over there. Then, yep, uh, that's great. And then the Packers uh, are 4-0 as well. And then the Seahawks are 4-0. So I mean, it's uh, you got some pretty good teams right now that uh, that some of them are perennial powers, and you got some that you weren't quite expecting, and uh, which of course the Titans was went deep last year, the Chiefs went deep last yep. year, the Packers did, the Seahawks did. Of course, last last year, uh, uh, Big Ben got hurt, so the Steelers weren't quite the Steelers, and, right. and in Buffalo, That's this right. is definitely a. a turn of events for Buffalo, and hopefully they can go on and get that thing right. You know, I'm definitely rooting for Andre yeah. Roberts, and uh, so looking for them to but do what some are they things doing? here. What are, I, had, I hadn't kept up with the Bills a whole lot. What are they doing over there to win? I have not I have not watched a lot, um, but they're finding a way to win. They are yeah. finding a way to win. So whatever they're doing is working. They got some and good karma and good key. chemistry. Doing you gotta have working. gotta have good gotta have good chemistry. Yep, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So and then probably one of the the, the big things that happened this week is uh Cam Newton 
was diagnosed with COVID. I did not so know that. Yep, he missed the game this week. And actually, the guy that started, um, they actually pulled him halfway through the game and, and, and uh, put another guy in. So, I mean, it's uh, it was an interesting interesting move there um, because huh. um, Jarrett Sniff um, came in. Uh, Ron Hora actually got the, got the start. Um, uh-oh. What happened? Uh, you know what? <laughs> I was looking at something on my computer, and all of a sudden, it started making some noise. <laughs> I thought your guest got thought your guest got here early. <laughs> nah, but uh, Stidham actually got Brian Hoare got the nod initially, and then Stidham came in late and drove him down uh, for a touchdown. So, but Cam Newton got COVID, and then probably the biggest news of the week was President Trump was diagnosed with COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that is some big news. Yeah, so I don't know if it was him not wearing a mask because he was definitely opposed to the mask. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Then the question yeah. is about a political. Yeah. yeah, it'll be. I mean, I, I guess he. You know, they said he got it from what that one. Um, that one aide. Um, right. I can't remember the name. And uh, but no, I mean he, he. He, you know, he was not a, a big fan of it, and and um, and it and it came back and got him. Yeah, <laughs> he kind of bottom yep. line, you know. Um, yep, exactly. But he seems to be doing okay, and uh, and that's good, you know, good for the good for the country and good for him. Um, mm-hmm. I hate to see anybody with COVID, and especially because exactly. you, you hear you've heard some nightmare stories out mm-hmm. there that you know people do get it, and then unfortunately it's this it's death. But um, especially for an older person, because my my parents are older, and my dad just had hip surgery for the third time, and and I'm certainly you know weary of getting getting close to him um, in in these times, because he you know he has some 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 ailments that uh you know that might increase that. So it's you know crazy times we're living through, Everett, and I'm ready for yep. 2021 <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. As as I said. Uh, so a couple of friends of mine, and we thought we thought 2000 was gonna be the crazy year. <laughs> we were 20 years too early. It was 2020. 2020 was the crazy one. So, yeah. But but we got a, a few big games this week in the NFL. Uh, we got the Bucks and the Bears. Uh, both of them sitting at three and one. The uh, Steelers. We got the the fight for Pennsylvania. The Steelers and the Eagles play. Now this is something that's something that, that is very strange. Now the Eagles are first in the division, and they're one, two, and one. Wow, wow. Well, I am a, a bit of an Eagles fan because, as you know, I live in St. Matthews, and Alshon Jeffrey um, right. is from St. Matthews, and and I've known his family for a very, very long time, and so mm-hmm. uh, I tend to, I tend to pull for the Eagles. Um, when they're playing, and um, so he is a he's a good guy, good family. Right, right. The um, his grand his grandmother used to change my diapers. For real. <laughs> for real. <laughs> yeah. So his definitely mom used close to the family. Right. So, um, oh yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. good yeah. Ashon is uh has had a pretty good career, so look for him to continue to. 
to uh, make some things happen because he's a good player now. Yeah, make some things. We just got we just got to keep him healthy. Right, right. Then we got the Bills and the Titans. So I'm not sure no. when they're going to play that Steelers Titans game. Um, we talked about playing in the middle of the week, but I haven't heard anything else about that. Really? But the Bills and Titans wow. plays. Bills are four and zero. Titans are three and zero. But of course, uh, the uh, Titans had nine, ten people on on the between the players and the staff that had COVID. So will this game be postponed? Because normally you're talking mm. about a two week um, period where they got to be quarantined. So this has only been That's about right. a week and a half. Um, so yeah. will they postpone this game, or will they go on to play it, or will just those players and coaches be? Um, quarantine. Interesting. Well, you know what, what was the uh, the Virginia Tech game um, mm-hmm. last week? Didn't they have like twenty nine people? They they didn't announce it till the end of the game. Um, wow. Had yeah, and, and you know had COVID that did not play. That obviously were not there, but um, right. They went and got the job done. So. Yeah, I don't know if they'll play or not. I mean, I, I think if you follow the protocols and you catch it in time and you, you know, um, make sure <laughs> that they weren't hanging around, you know, people and all mm-hmm. I don't know how it works. But my wife could tell me she's she's a nurse and she's a school nurse and so she's dealing with that probably on the phone right now. Uh, right, right. God bless, right. God bless all the health professionals out there. Definitely, definitely. Now, in Calhoun County, are they are they in school? Or are they more virtual right now? They gave them the option um, uh, at her school, and she's at Calhoun Academy, to either um, come to school or go virtual. And very little went virtual. I think they had at at the beginning four, and and to my knowledge, they have not had any cases yet. Um, they've had some people get sick and get tested and been negative. It was something else, which is good. But, but everybody, everybody came back with the exception of four that had some other uh, conditions. So, um, mm-hmm. so far so good, but, but <laughs> she is, she's also a teacher. So you, people are coming in her room all the time. Um, right. Wanting to know if they're sick and if they're not, but uh, it, it, it's crazy time. She's, she's stressed out and, and she handles it well. Okay. Well, she got to deal with you. And she got to live with me, Everett. Yeah, so she had practice dealing with craziness. (laughs) Well, yeah, something like that. She's married to me, so she's used to craziness. Oh, well, good. Well, I'm glad everything's going well there. Now, I heard that here in the Columbia, South Carolina area, um, there have been 100% virtual, and now they're they're looking at moving to a, a hybrid I think towards the end of the month. I'm not sure of the date yet. Okay. Um, where they'll go a couple of days, and then the other days they'll be virtual. So. What are they saying about football? Well, my son, um, who's in the eighth grade, they have their first football game tomorrow. So okay. Good. They're they're live and they're they're rolling with it. And you know the interesting thing is, they only have for the home team like 84 tickets. So there's 40 that oh, you can really? sit down and 44 that you can bring your lawn chair or just stand up. Um, so it's a first-come, first-served basis. So wow. I've already been told by my wife that I'm going to get there early to go buy tickets. 
So <laughs> yeah, you better I'll be make sure I do that. Now is it mask at all times or 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 what? You know what? I would imagine you're supposed to have a mask on, especially if you even though it's outside. Um Yeah. So Well that was you know, that's that's kind of been the protocol for, for college. Um I've only right. been to the one Citadel game, you know, there in Charleston mm-hmm. and they did a nice job. Um much like Clemson and Carolina, they had the, the pods and you know, unless you were eating or drinking, they wanted to keep your, your mask on. So um, right. what we need to do. Yep, definitely. And the thing is we just gotta make sure you know, the key to understand is that the mask isn't for you, per se. It's to help protect everybody else. That's and, right. Uh, so, so let's make sure that we're doing what we can. Um, because, again, if we have an outbreak, then they'll be shutting everything back down. We don't want that. So we got to make sure we do the little nope. things. We got the little things to, to keep the big thing yeah. rolling. Exactly. Exactly. As, as old Charlie Taft right. used to tell us, did the little things right. Yep. That is the key. That is the key. Mm-hmm. The um. Now um, how was the uh? I know they they got turf at the Citadel now. How did that look? It looks great, and I think it's a lot better than what we used to play on. Um, oh, definitely. Remember when definitely. we used to play? When we used to play oh, App yeah. State and Western, we played yeah, in our yeah. tennis shoes. You yep. know these guys can play in cleats. They got that. They got all the you know the, mm-hmm. the charcoal or whatever they got underneath it. I mean it's like grass and it looks sharp. Uh, and I'm sure it plays you know like grass. But I right. hated playing on astro stuff oh, back in the day. I mean, was, all of them. Was all of them. One year when we played App State, Western Carolina, East Tennessee State, and Army. We had four and Marshall games. Marshall was probably in there too, wasn't it? Marshall, sure Marshall was in that year. Yeah, that might have been a home game because we cause remember when they they changed it up, so we ended up playing Marshall back to back at home. Okay, that's right. So I only went to Marshall one time. Yeah, so I played Marshall in Charleston three times. Well, so, okay, because I know I I played Marshall at the very old stadium. Of course, I think I was a right. freshman and and, mm-hmm. and didn't play. But we were glad to be there. And then the the second game was at the new stadium where we remember we there were no lights. That we went into the our our uh, locker room and no lights, no heat, no nothing. And they oh, had yeah. makeshift. That's, that's when they had us. We were and, surrounded by the uh, trash cans with fire, like a bunch of winos. Yeah. Yes, I remember that very vividly. And we that? we ended up throwing an interception. It, it yeah, snowing. we threw it. Well, first of all. Um, we threw an interception at the last drive of the game, and then they drove down and scored to win because we was ahead most of the game. But the thing was, another thing I remember, that was the year we lost. We was going to change offenses, and we ended up losing to Wofford. Yep. So if you looked in the media guide, we were supposed to fly to Marshall. But I guess Coach got mad, so we drove. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that Walker game because they moved me from halfback back to wide receiver. I was behind Cornell Caldwell and Charlie Taft, and Cornell had fever that right. game. He was, right. you know, he he was not going to play. And Charlie looked at me and said, "You better be ready." And uh, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I just come <laughs> over from halfback and then got moved back to halfback and back receiver. 
And Cornell, I think, had one of the best games of his life. And even though we still won, he put up some terrific numbers. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, that's my old man. Nelson York had a big game that day as well. Yep. Yeah, I love Nelson. Yeah, those were the days. Those were the days. Fun times. Yep, no doubt. And just while we will get back to the just talking about the games of the week, one of the big games. I'm sure that a lot of people weren't going to consider this would be a big game uh, going into going to week five. But the Indianapolis Colts and the Cleveland Browns, both of them are sitting at three and one. Um, mm. So this is definitely a big game for both teams. Um, the Browns are, are, have been looking good, so I'm looking for stuff and, and those guys to keep that thing rolling and, and go on and, and make some things happen, which would be huge. That'd that would be, be huge. wonderful. Because the, the Brown fans are definitely up. loyal fans. And yes, they, they are. No question. Because it's been a long time. <laughs> but hopefully they can go and get it right. They can go and get it right. Yeah. But, but hey, we're getting ready to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to have uh, J.B. Weber, who's the assistant AD at the College of Charleston, joining us. So you uh, sit tight. Enjoy this song. We'll be back in a few. Temperature's about 88. 
Hop in the water plug, just for old time's sake. Break to your crib, change your clothes once more. Cause you're invited to a barbecue to start with four. Sitting with your friends, as y'all reminisce about the days growing up in the first person you kiss. And as I think back, makes me wonder how the smell from a grill could spark off nostalgia. All the kids playing out fun, little boys messing around with the girls playing double dutch. While the DJ spinning a tune as the old folks dance at your family reunion. Then six o'clock rolls around. You just finished wiping your car down. It's time to cruise, so you go to the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show. Everybody come looking real fine, fresh from the barbershop, applying the beauty salon. Every moment fronting and maxing, chilling in the car, they spent all day waxing. Leaning to the side, but you can't speed through two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Show, and we are back from our first break. Um, we have a great lineup today, and we're starting off with a good friend of mine, J.B. Weber, who is now the assistant AD at the College of Charleston. J.B., how you doing? I'm great. Thanks, Everett. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Hey, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. You know, this this pandemic has, has caused a, a lot of changes for athletics, and not just athletics, but just in our lifestyle. Um and and I'm sure there at the College of Charleston is no different. But before we even get on that, um, are you at the Citadel? And and then tell us you tell us what you did when you was at the Citadel and and what you did after that. Uh, so I, I started at the Citadel, as you know, I was a graduate assistant video coordinator with the football program, uh, and I rose up from that to uh, eventually assistant AD when I left eight years later. Uh, you know, the things that I did specifically at the Citadel after, after working on the football staff and in video was, uh, I was the athletic academic advisor. Uh, and obviously we worked closely together on that mentoring and developing, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, cadet athletes. And then, uh, after that, uh, the, the AD at the time, Larry Leckenby, uh, I was actually thinking about leaving college athletics and maybe, maybe moving to high school. Uh, as an administrator, and, and the AD, Larry Leckenby, took me out to lunch, and he said, you know, you really, I really think you've got a future as a college administrator, uh, and that was, it was really good of him, and uh, he offered me a position as an assistant director of compliance, which was how I got in, kind of, to the administrative side, and right. uh, about 18 months after that, I was promoted to assistant AD, and then I went over to the dark side. Uh, I had the yeah. opportunity in the summer of 2014 to go to Lexington, Virginia uh, as associate AD. (laughs) (laughs) So you say. Um, So I I, I went to the Virginia Military Institute as an associate athletic director for compliance uh, and academic services. Uh, And really what I got to do there was run all of the cadet athlete services. Uh, So I ran – Diversity and inclusion programming, academic advising, and then also the compliance office, uh, and also all the, the development, you know, personal development stuff. Uh, right. And then uh, after that, I got married. And uh, my wife is a Citadel graduate. She's a former women's soccer player in class of 02. And uh, she was here in Charleston. 
and uh, you know I have several good friends who are at the College of Charleston, and uh, you know it just worked out that about three weeks after I got married, I was able to start a position at the college, uh, you know, in compliance and and initially academic advising. That kind of is my pattern: do some academic mm-hmm. advising and then move into mm-hmm. compliance and administration. Uh, and I've been at the college now. I'm I'm in my fourth year, uh, and uh, I'm assistant AD. Uh, my, my focus areas are sport administration and compliance. Those are kind of the two big things that I do, uh, and I love it. It's been, a, you know, I, one of the things that I thought, you know, I, I was a, a football student athlete as in college, and I, my background is in football, and one of the big challenges that I thought I would have at the college was uh, missing football. And while right. I can't say that I don't miss it every day, I do miss it uh, mm-hmm. from a strictly, you know, work and administrative growth standpoint. Uh, being at a non-football school has been a good thing for me and my family. So that's kind okay. of my background. That's where I'm at now. And, uh, you know, looking forward to what, what the world brings. And hopefully we'll be able to get back to some normalcy soon. Exactly. Exactly. Well, now, just just talking about that, um, the normalcy or the lack thereof, how, how did the spring, when the pandemic started, how did that affect all the athletics there at the college? So every it, it it was crazy because on Sunday, March seventh, I was with uh, our AD and our men's basketball team at the CAA basketball tournament in Washington D.C. And I came back uh, that Monday, and mm-hmm. it was like everything was normal. And then on Wednesday, we started to hear about uh, you know that Wednesday night was when uh, you know the NBA game was was postponed and several of the college conference tournaments were postponed. And we right. came into work on Thursday morning, and uh, the AD said we're having a staff meeting about, you know, and first it was we're not going to have any fans, right? But mm-hmm. in the space of one day, it evolved from us having a meeting about adapting to a COVID environment to us canceling the rest of our spring seasons um, and postponing the rest of our spring seasons. And it was kind of a surreal thing. You know, I – I supervise men's golf. That's one of the sports that I'm responsible for, for overseeing the coaching staff and the program. And I had okay. to call my men's golf coach and tell him to come off the course. They were on the eighth hole of a practice round getting ready for a tournament at Georgia Southern, and I had to tell right. them to come off the course. Uh, so a lot of that was really surreal. Um, you know, and, and obviously we had a baseball team that was 13-2 and two that had just beaten Clemson that was cooking with gas. Uh, and, you know, to, to, to shut that down was, was surreal. And then you got to pick up the pieces, right? Then you got to say, mm-hmm. okay, it's shut down. That's the right thing to do for the situation that we're in. We don't want to put anybody at risk. God forbid we put our student athletes, their families, our coaches, our staff at risk. Uh, but right. then we've got to kind of pick up the pieces and talk about moving forward. And moving forward, you know, the first thing, and I think this is a big thing for people to understand, um, because a lot of people want to blame the NCAA, right? The NCAA is at a disadvantage compared to the professional sports leagues. And the reason for that is because of our governance structure. Right. There are 357 Division I schools, right, that are either, mm-hmm. you know, FCS, FBS, or what we call one AAA, which is what the college is, you know, no, no football. You have to basically convince a majority of those 157 schools in 32 different leagues to – on a course of action before you can get a course of action. Um, so it's very democratic, uh, 
Um, but at the same time, it also, because it's so democratic, we don't have that same streamlined central authority that, that maybe those professional sports leagues have. Um, right. So a lot of my spring was spent, you know, first thinking about the student athlete, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and one thing that, we're, that I'm really proud of and that a lot of my colleagues are really proud of is, is that we as an athletic administration and compliance community, we were able to do something unprecedented and grant a blanket waiver to all of our spring sport athletes so that they can all come back. They all get an additional year of eligibility. Their season of competition was restored to them. Um, and, and, you know, you hear people say, oh, it's not, you know, it, it, it's not the best thing because it hurts the high school kids or, or what have you. Um, but from my perspective, additional eligibility is never a bad thing. And right. what we experienced was, you know, I think it was 13 of 40 of our kids actually took us up on the additional eligibility. So a bunch mm-hmm. of kids took their degrees and decided to move on with life because that's what they wanted to do. Uh, but those 13 were able to come back because that's what they wanted to do. And then the other thing we saw was that uh, it gives kids opportunities. Now, we didn't have a grad transfer transfer out, but we had several grad transfers transfer in, where okay. now maybe they have two years to go to graduate school um, and maybe go to graduate school somewhere else and have that graduate school paid for. So that eligibility for the spring was um, probably the thing we're most proud of. The other thing that we did was the dead period. Um, so we've been in an all-sports dead period since March 15th, which is unprecedented, um, and it, it now will last till January 1st. And what that dead period has done is it has changed the recruiting landscape in all sports. Um, coaches have, and we've had to support coaches being inventive uh, in, in creating virtual recruiting opportunities, uh, right. and how do you recruit someone, and and how do you give a tour of campus and a tour of your facilities on FaceTime? Um, and, and how do you do what equates to a home visit uh, on a Zoom call? Um, and, and, and kind of all of the nuts and bolts of those sorts of things um, to, to kind of adapt the recruiting process. And the other big thing was the academic picture changed, right? We had high schools going to pass-fail. Uh, so we had to adapt as, as, an, as an association. We had to adapt our <clears throat> our initial eligibility rules a little bit, kids unable to take standardized tests. Um, and I think that's also something that we're really proud of, too, and we carried forward for 2020, 2021, is adapting those initial eligibility rules. So this year, for the, the really last spring and this fall, it's the first time ever Division One student-athletes will be able to attend a Division One school without ever have taking an ACT or an SAT. Wow. Um, because of the lack of access. And to me, that's yeah. also a, a good thing. And we might look at it from a perspective of this might be something, you know, with, with the current climate as well as something that we can use to enhance our diversity. Because a lot of times those test scores are a roadblock. Um, yeah. But that was the, you know, the, the other, in, in addition to the initial eligibility for our current, current students, the other thing was adapting that initial eligibility to ensure access for incoming high school students. So I know you know, sometimes people don't think that, that you're, you're always thinking about the student, but I know as personally as an administrator, I'm a student-centered guy. And that's what we're trying to do is think about what's best for our students, our current students and our future students, and what puts them on the path to be most successful. That's kind right. of what the spring looked like. Okay. Um, if, you, if you carry it forward, 
then we had to deal with what's the fall going to look like. And mm-hmm. the situation in the fall was, um, and I think a lot of our mid-major peers were challenged in a lot of the same ways. Um, the first thing was is we didn't want to bring anybody back to bring unless we could bring them back safely. And there was no, you know, our, our AD is fond of saying there was no playbook for COVID, right? So our sports medicine mm-hmm. folks had to do a lot of research. Our team doctors had to do a lot of research. Uh, and now we're, we're partnering with MUSC, which was a huge blessing because uh, they're, you know, the, the, the local hub as far as COVID research. Um, and we started small. We brought men's and women's basketball back first um, and for, for eight-hour segments, and, and we started with, you know, just one kid in a basketball in the gym at a time. You know, each kid got one hour with the ball. Uh, and then we built it up to two, and then we built it up to two and a coach. Then we built it up to four and a coach until we got to the point where, you know, we had the whole team out there able to scrimmage. Um, and there were setbacks. You know, we had a couple folks who had COVID, and, and they had to go into isolation or quarantine, um, but we were able to build back. And then we kind of did that with our, our, our fall sports. Now, the one challenge for the fall sports and this is a unique thing to the Colonial Athletic Association. So where we're challenged as a mid-major league is, is our geographic footprint runs all the way from South Carolina to Massachusetts, right? right. So our 10-member schools span the whole East Coast. Uh, and, you know, five to six of our schools are flights. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we're dealing with is different regulations in different states. Hofstra, who's mm-hmm. in our league, uh, Northeastern, who's in our league, uh, Drexel, who's in our league, they had very strict COVID restrictions. Um, right. So it made it very difficult for them to even think about having a fall season with their local governmental restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, the five Southern members, you know, William and Mary, JMU, Elon, the College of Charleston, and, and, uh, and Wilmington, we were a little bit more flexible and played a little bit of wait and see. Um, and probably – the hardest thing for us was to finally decide um, to not um, play fall sports. And, and a lot of that decision was we, we kind of got frozen out because um, the football dominoes at the FCS level fell very quickly. And right. once those football dominoes fell, um, there was not really an appetite to play men's soccer, women's soccer, or volleyball. And also – Several of the other leagues, you know, leagues that we play against, the Sun Belt, uh, the ACC, the SEC, they determined to go conference only. Okay. Uh, and when they determined to go conference only, we fell into a trap kind of, of where we didn't have anybody else to play. Um, so what it turned out was actually that was a blessing. Uh, and it was a blessing in that, you know, our, our fall sport athletes had suspended their spring seasons on March 13th. And they had not been with their strength and conditioning coaches the whole summer. So when we brought them back the second week in August, um, men's soccer and women's soccer and volleyball just went into a 20-hour in-season workout segment this week. Uh, And what we found was is that our athletes needed that time to get back in shape, to get back in condition, to get back into their routine. Um, And that was really, really good from a, hey, this is the right thing to do. And then, meanwhile, while we were working on that on campus, um, you know, the question started to come up about, okay, we've suspended fall sports. What are we going to do with that? Uh, And, you know, we've had numerous calls, numerous votes 
Uh, and, and again, the NCAA was able to move, you know, our five fall sports, and I think it's nine fall sports total, uh, to have spring segments uh, where they'll have an NCAA championship in the spring, and they'll be able to play a conference tournament in the spring. It might be a little bit of a reduced schedule. So soccer usually plays 18 regular season games. They might play 12 in a tournament. Um, so those things are in the works. Uh, and then kind of we turn to basketball. Um, you know, we're, we're still waiting. Um, so we got some good news from the NCAA, I guess it's now two weeks ago. Uh, we will have a regular basketball season. Uh, okay. The start has been delayed. Um, so, you know, the usual start of basketball is November 4th. Um, mm-hmm. And the start has been delayed. <clears throat> the start has been delayed till November 25th, which is right before Thanksgiving. Um, and then practice usually starts in the end of September, uh, and it's been delayed to start next week on October 14th. Um, so it's still the same 40, you know, 30 practices in 42 days. Um, they did reduce the schedule by four games. Um, so instead of either playing, whether if you play in a tournament, you get, uh, like the Charleston Classic, you get to play in 31 games. So if you play in a tournament, you'll get to play in 27. Um, this year, if you don't play in a tournament, you get, you usually get to play in 29, you'll get to play in 25. Um, and then there are some other things that we're looking at doing. Uh, we're, we're actually looking at scheduling basketball like we schedule almost baseball, where you have a home weekend. So a team from the Northeast like uh, Drexel will come to us and we'll play them on Friday night uh, and then again on Saturday night um, okay. so that we don't, we don't have to do back and, back and forth. Uh, and there's been a lot of creativity. That's, that's the other thing that's been really kind of a, a, a silver lining to the whole COVID situation in college athletics is it's gotten us to evaluate things that we, we say, you know, we do because we've always done. And it's right. gotten us to start to think outside the box and think about how we can do this more efficiently and how we can make this uh, a better situation. So the other really, really good news uh, that we got from the South Carolina Department of Commerce yesterday uh, was that we will be allowed to have 30% capacity in the TD arena for home games. Uh, and the schedule is not set. We're hoping to have the schedule out either the end of this week or the beginning of next week. But it's looking like we're going to have 13 or 14 home games, um, which is incredible. Um, and, you know, we've also, as you guys were talking before. Uh, no, so that's, that's one of the things that we're talking about right now, and that's why we can't release the schedule. Some leagues are talking about going conference only. Um okay. Right now, our league is not. Um, our friends over in the Southern Conference, I've heard, are, are thinking about conference only. Um, so, um, you know, right now we're looking at playing five non-conference games and then our regular conference schedule. Right. Um, okay. And then we may play a couple. We may play two non-division ones. Uh, so mm-hmm. maybe we'll, I think we're gonna, we're looking at uh, a limestone or a division two like that uh, coming right. in to fill out the rest of the 25-game schedule. Um, okay. But really, you know, the other thing, too, was is everything that you do when you go into the arena. You know, things that you never thought of as an administrator. What is the traffic flow of people going into the seats? What it, right. How do we get people into the restaurants without having to change traffic? And, and how do, mm-hmm. you know, how do we assign the pods? Where are the pods going to be? 
Um, so that, you know, to, to, to do that plan, to have it approved by the Department of Commerce, to start to see the schedule come together for basketball is something that's really good and gives us a lot of hope. And, and I'll be honest, we learned a lot from our colleagues in football. Um, right. You know, seeing what our colleagues at the Citadel were doing when they had their home game, seeing what our mm-hmm. colleagues uh, at Clemson were doing when they had their home games and kind of looking at their plans and seeing how we can adapt that to basketball. And one of our big questions was, you know, are they going to treat an indoor arena differently than they treat an outdoor football stadium? Um, yeah. And the answer at the end of the day was only only in the, the precautions that you have to take, not necessarily in the capacity, um, which was a good okay. thing. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask this question, just going back a little. Um, how are the scholarship numbers going to be treated? You know, you you, you said that, so that everybody is an absolutely had a- great question. That is an absolutely great question. So as you know, um, you know there are scholarship limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, what has happened is is that every student athlete who was a senior in a spring sport last year is exempt from counting for this year's limitations. Okay. Um, so if I was if I in, in and different sports count things differently. Partial, you know, partial scholarship sports count percentages versus head count. Um, but at the end of the day, if you were a, you can receive up to the same amount of scholarship you got last year, and it will not count against your team's applicable limitation. Um, okay. Now, the one thing that, the one thing that is, is those scholarships are not guaranteed, right? That's at the discretion of the mutual agreement of the institution and the student athlete. Um, and some of our student athletes came back on slightly lower scholarships, but that might be also because they only needed, you know, they delayed their graduation and only needed three credits to graduate. Um, mm-hmm. so all of that, it gave us the flexibility to evaluate that and to talk to families and student athletes one-on-one about their individual situations and their desire and having that mm-hmm. flexibility to not count it against the limitation allowed us to have that conversation. Um, that also is, is intended not to backlog those incoming high school kids. And I right. think, you know, they did they, they basically did the same thing with football uh, and with fall sports uh, a couple okay. weeks ago. So okay. they will be exempted as well. Um, now, with sports with really strict limitations, and they may do this in SCS football because it's the closest to baseball, um, mm-hmm. Baseball has both a head count and an equivalency limitation, kind of like FCS football does. Right. Um, and what they did was they gave them a few extra counter spots. Um, so okay. usually you would be allowed 27 counters. They were now allowed 32 counters. And okay. they also removed the baseball roster limitation. You know, So baseball is usually limited to 35 guys for the spring segment. They removed that mm-hmm. limitation. So I think a lot of it is is now the one thing about it is there are going to be more kids in programs, and exactly. that exactly. may lead to playing time issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, my thought is access, right? And we didn't want to stand in the way of access, right. and also right. with the relaxed um, the relaxed transfer situation in most sports. I mean, I know we focus on football and basketball with the transfer, uh, with the no one-time transfer exception. But in most other sports, 
um, there's going to be a lot of ability. If they if there's no space for them at your institution, they'll be able to find a new home and be immediately eligible. Right. Okay. Well, good. So now, one other question, one and, and this is this is an opinion because um, because I don't right. think there's an answer out there. Right now, they're not requiring the ACT SAT. Do you think that the ACT SAT is going to lose some of its importance in years to come, or do you think as soon as we get through this, it's going to be right back being a very important part of the admission process? So, my hope, my hope, my my personal hope, uh, and I speak as an individual here, is is that we'll be able to move away from the SAT and the ACT being part of both the admissions process and the initial eligibility process. Um, Because I think uh, there, and and there's data out there on this. I'm not just pulling this out. I think there are some inherent biases in the structure of the test. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also think that a student's high school coursework, and if you look at the model that we've put out for initial eligibility, they still have to have 16 core units. They have to finish seven and 10 of those core units by the end of their junior year. They have to have a 2.3 core GPA or higher. So mm-hmm. we still have kind of those minimum uh, eligibility requirements that also guarantee that they're ready for college and they can be successful in college. Um, right. And I think that if you just looked at those rules alone and that was our um, our platform, then I think you could increase access. I think you could still make educated decisions on who's ready for college and who's not. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you you know, you would take out some of those inherent biases in the, in the test. Um, the other part of it is, is it, I hope that there's a great fear amongst, and, and my wife is a college admissions counselor, so I think I can say this. Okay. There's a great fear of the unknown amongst college, the college admissions counseling community with regard to what do we do? We've never done it without not having the test. Mm -hmm. And my hope is, is that at the very least, because numerous schools are now going SAT optional at the very least, we'll have a data set that we can work with and we can say, Hey, these kids in this class were able to succeed and their, you know, their data numbers of, of their grades project them to be successful. And we can use that kind of as a dry run. So I think, again, as a silver lining to the COVID situation, um, you know, we may see, um, you know, the the ACT or SAT or kids being disqualified, um, because I'm sure you've seen it and I've seen it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Outstanding outstanding athletes, especially in our state, uh, Mm -hmm. outstanding athletes who are are capable transcript-wise but disqualified because of a test score. And I, yes. you know, I hope that as, as things progress here, that that will become a thing of the past. All right. Okay. Good. Well, hey, well, JB, we appreciate you coming on and and talking with us, and maybe sometime in the future, as we get kicked off into basketball, we can get you back on again sometime. Absolutely, I'd love to do it. It was great to visit with y'all, and uh, have a great evening. All right. Thanks. You have a great one as well. Well, hey, we're gonna go to a short break, and we'll be back in a few minutes.
How's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands, the West Foundation Sports Show. Uh, we're back off the, after our first guest. Great conversation with J.B. Weber. A lot of good information in there because um, there was a lot of things that you had, people were wondering about. At least I know I was wondering about of how they was going to handle it. There was a lot of great information. But now we have uh, a young man that I had an opportunity to coach many years ago, um, uh, Mr. Chris Eckert. Chris, how you doing? I'm good. It's been a while since I've been called a young man, so I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but um, coming from you, that's a compliment. You're you're the uh, guy who didn't age past thirty. So, <laughs> still look like well, a- I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But uh, Chris, where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I grew up in uh, Western North Carolina in a in a uh, in a very small town. We had. Uh, we had one high school in the whole county, and it was 1A. And um, it was, uh, you know, that, that small town, Western North Carolina football that we played where everybody went both ways. Um, mm-hmm. But I grew up there, and um, my my folks are both actually from New York. We moved down before they had kids, and, and uh, okay. I, was, I was born in this, this small southern town and grew up there. And... Um, Love sports, played sports all my life, and uh, football, baseball, basketball, it was just one season to another, and then, um, you know, was very fortunate enough to get the opportunity to go play play football at the Citadel, and get a, get a great education, go dogs, and um, today I, I am uh, I'm married, I've been married for uh, almost 16 years now, um, wow. we have four kids, three boys and a girl. And okay. um, the oldest is 11. Uh, and I uh, I own a Chick-fil-A franchise. So we're uh, we're busy. I see. I see. Now, after you graduated from Citadel, uh, I know you didn't just go straight into owning a Chick-fil-A. So what was that transition? What, what kind of jobs did you have and what led to you getting the opportunity with Chick-fil-A? You know, most people, most people who land um, kind of in their calling, where they feel they're called to, it's uh, it's definitely not a linear path. Um, mine was very, mine was all over the place. Um, and I, uh, when I was in when I was in college, I um, I uh, had a had an encounter with uh, with the the Lord, and uh, my life changed dramatically and I um from that point um I actually went, wanted to go into full-time ministry which I did um, mm-hmm. you know I got I, I had I was fortunate enough to be this is a cool story I went from a starting quarterback to starting long snapper in the same season um but my <laughs> you remember that and uh yeah the cool thing was if I had been just a quarterback I would not have we got a new had a new coach come in Ellis Johnson and uh mm-hmm. I would not have gotten a chance to come back for a fifth year but because I was a long snapper and we didn't have any others I got a year of grad school paid for so uh, nice that was pretty cool so I finished grad school and then went on staff for the college ministry and um I had so I had a undergraduate in business administration I had a master's in business administration and I got out and went into ministry and I loved it. I loved, I was in college ministry. I spent time with 
college guys and you know uh, mentoring guys and you know helping um, helping them grow and develop and spiritually right. and emotionally and, and I love that but the one thing I always wrestled with is um, I didn't know if I was ever winning I, it's hard to keep scoring ministry honestly yeah. and um, you know and, and I really longed to to do what I was doing, mentoring young people, uh, younger people, younger than me, um, growing them, teach them character. And, but then also, you know, like what's, what's the score? Like how am I winning? And, and, um, you know, so I decided to start my own business. It was going to be a coffee business. Cause that's, that's what you do if you have no money and you want to start a business. And the, the reality is like, no matter what business you start, you got to at least have some capital, right? Um, so I spent a couple of years working for a venture capital firm while I was trying to start this business on the side and, uh, it didn't work out. And, um, in the middle of it, I had this job with this venture capital firm in Raleigh, uh, because I'd left ministry to do this. And, um, and I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like the culture. I didn't like where I was. And I just kind of out of the blue, Claire and I were praying, my wife and I were praying about it and she just remembered conversation I'd had a year prior where a good friend of mine had told me about Chick-fil-A and we started praying about it and I called him up he's a he's a Citadel grad a year ahead of me played tennis at the Citadel and he um I went down to spend a few days with him and and uh I loved it it was kind of the 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 best mix where I could have an impact on people's lives and I could also um every month I get I get a profit loss statement that tells me how I did you know, and so there's a score and, um, and, you know, it's just, I just found, I was probably 30 at the time and I found, found what God had called me to, um, to, to run a successful business and also have a significant impact on the lives of those who work for me. And, uh, and I hope I'm doing that well, but, um, you know, that's, that's my heart anyway. Right. Right. And that's, and that's the thing that, you know, I believe when I was coaching that that was my ministry. That was my opportunity yeah. to to uh, touch people's lives. Um, and yeah. you're right. Sometimes you don't know if you're winning until later. That's right. Um, but when right. you get that confirmation, it, it really sort of puts a stamp on and you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's right. And, you know, I, I was fortunate. I had, you know, my parents had been married for 43 years. I always, I had my dad in my life who, my, and my mom, who tell me all the time, you can do whatever you want to do if you're willing to work hard enough. And, and you know, I, I believed it. From a young age, they told me, you know, you can do that. You can go to college. You can get a master's degree. You can, you know, so I didn't have self-imposed limits because they had spoken that truth into me. And I, uh, I've realized that, not every kid has that, and sometimes exactly. there's a lid on kids on kids' lives, and mm-hmm. whether they know it or not, there's a lid, and um, I think it requires good mentors to come along and help take that lid off of their life, you know. Yes. And there's people, I see, you know, we saw it all the time at the Citadel, like a young man comes in from rural South Carolina somewhere, and maybe comes from a bad family situation, and and um and you know at at some point 
they realize like I can I can be somebody and I can be somebody significant. And you know, and they and over those four years at the Citadel they change and they become they become pretty remarkable, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen it you've seen it in all your coaching. You know, you you, you know that story well. Yep. Hey. The uh and you know it's funny that you're talking about that because you know, every day I sort of have a thought of the day. And yeah. the thought of the day was positive thinking. And one of the mm. things that we talked about is that you can now outperform your own self-beliefs, which is exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Because if you don't believe yeah. you can do it, you're not even going to try because you don't think you can do it. You won't, yeah. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, it's, you're hitting it dead in the nail. Great. Yeah. Great. Mm. And, and now you get opportunity to pour into those, those lives of those kids that you are in charge of now to help them remove that lid, right? Yeah, and you know the the interesting thing is some of them aren't kids. Some of them are thirty, thirty five year olds, and exactly. they've never had anybody tell them you can do this. Right. You you know you you don't have to you don't have to live a mediocre life. You can be remarkable. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but it it gets Great it word. does get harder <laughs> the older they you know the longer they've oh, gone without anybody speaking that yeah. truth into them. Yeah, because yeah, we are creatures of habit. Yep, we are right. creatures of habit, and uh, and that is definitely so true. But speaking of being a creature of habit, just to shift gears just a little bit. Yeah. So you you've had the the franchise for four years, right? I've been doing this for ten years now. Oh, you've had it for ten? Has it been that long already? Wow. Yeah, I've been in Col- okay. so I had a I had a Chick Fil A franchise in Richmond for two and a half years, and then um, okay, I've been here in Columbia now for a little over eight. Wow. Wow. All right. So ten and a half years you've been doing things the way you've done them. Yeah. And then in March the pandemic comes. <laughs> so how has that just changed the the whole mindset, the the business model of, of how you've been doing things? Well, you know what's cool is I, I read a quote today that I loved. It's uh, I think it's a I think it's Seth Godin said it, and he said, um, leaders envision a future that does not yet exist. And, um, you know, it was the whole, there's a whole section on leaders versus managers. And it's just that leaders are visionaries and they see it in the future. And man, our, our founder, Truett Cathy was such a visionary. And then the people that have come after him, his son and Tim Tisopoulos, our COO, they've envisioned, they've seen what's coming in the future. And we, we have focused on this drive through for the last five years. And when they shut down our dining rooms mm-hmm. in March, I pulled the team together and I said, guys, for the last five years, we've been practicing for this moment six days a week. Um, and so we're ready for this. And so we, we overnight became a drive through store. And, you know, mm-hmm. that first month, <laughs> that first, our record before going into that was 150 cars. And then that first month we broke 200 cars in one hour. Wow. Wow. And so, so I, I think leaders have to see into the future, like where patterns are going and, you know, and, and God, in God's providence, like we had, we had where we'd seen the future going is that people, people were on the fly all the time. And so we've, we focused on the app. We focused on mm-hmm. digital ordering. We focused on the drive through 
40% of our customers interact with us through the app now. Wow. You know, and, and, uh, 85% of my business is through the drive through So we, we truly, we flipped a switch and, and, uh, for the first three months of the pandemic, we were up 12% in wow. sales. Wow. Um, and I, you know, and I, but the, the biggest, the linchpin in the whole thing is that my focus for this year, as we prayed about it and talked through it, my focus was, and my leadership team's focus was developing leaders. We had a goal. We had this 20 and 2020, and that was our business plan. And so we had these five goals that all had surrounded by 20. And one was to increase our retention by 20%. The other was to have, to, to have 20 fully developed leaders in place by the end of, by the end of 2020. Um, and we're on pace to actually have 23 at this point, but, um, so the people, the people piece was so important and you, you just can't, it doesn't matter what business you do. doesn't matter what you, you do in life, whether you're in sports, whether you're in the business world, it's all about people and you've yes. got to, you've got to grow people and you've got to, you've got to help people grow their capacity to do things. So we had put some things in place you know, in January of that year, and we were moving forward on them, and this thing hit, and it's like, you know what? We're already working on this. Like, you you need to you need to take this part of it, and you need to take this part of it, and we just started divvying up duties. And man, my team just they just jumped to the occasion. Nice. And, um, nice. You know, as a, as a chain, in July we had a record record high sales month ever. For real. So yeah. I just think, you know, and so much of that is just God was just giving us the ability to understand what needed to happen. Like he, he knew this was coming and mm-hmm. um, we had the ability to respond uh, pretty quickly to it, you know, cause most major corporations, it takes forever to shift your business, you know, your, your business format, your uh, business structure. And we just, we were able to shift and move and go. Well, that's good. That is really good. Pretty, you know, pretty cool. The um, for a long time, you know, during the pandemic, I didn't go to Chick Fil A because the line was too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Sorry about that. Always long, but hey, oh. and it's always packed. And one night, probably about two weeks ago. I thought Chick-fil-A was closed. I was like, there's nobody there. It must be closed. Nope, they were open. Um, and we were the only car in the lane. But by the time oh, we pulled out, it was slam-packed again. I guess we just hit it right <laughs> that night. <laughs> but it didn't You were turning long. right. Everybody else was turning left across the traffic light. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But it was packed by the time we got out of there. So it's, oh, it's uh, in my opinion, you know, part of the reason why I love Chick-fil-A is I believe it's one of the healthiest fast foods that you can get. Am I yeah. right on that or am I a little off because it's fried? No, you know, that's another thing that um, Chick-fil-A's made huge investments in. Um, our whole chain going to no antibiotics ever, chicken. Um, all of our grilled products a couple of years back went to no MSGs. Like, just cleaning it up. Um, but, you know, like all of our chicken is, is, uh, hand filleted, hand breaded. Um, we cook it there. They're, you know how many microwaves I have in my restaurant? How many? Zero. Zero. Because we, we, everything is fresh. It's cooked. 
um, and it, it's served within 20 minutes, or or it, it goes into um, what we call dead chicken. Of course, it's already dead, but but uh, we cool it down and use it for our and debread it and use it for our soup. Okay. Um, so we everything's fresh. Everything's you know like we have a we have a whole prep team that comes in and makes salads from scratch every day. Um, nice. You know, all along it, and just I'm really, really proud to be part of a company that takes such um, such strides to 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 care for our guests. You know, cause we don't take it lightly. Like in any business, the number one thing you can have is that your guests trust you. You know, like if right. you're if your your customer trusts you, you've earned something. You've earned something amazing. Like you like you can never take that for granted. Exactly. Um, because if they exactly. trust you, they'll spend money with you. Yep. And you knew That's that, true. like when you were recruiting, when you were recruiting, mm-hmm. you would you would be honest and you would tell the you'd shoot you'd shoot the parents straight. Exactly. And the par- That's what made you a good recruiter. The parents would the parents would trust you, and that mm-hmm. made all the difference. That is very true. You know? yeah. Very true. Very true. Now, let me ask this: from the yeah, what's up? Again, you know, you played at the collegiate level. How did what you learned as a player and your your development as a player help you run a business and get to the position where you are now? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I learned more from my failure than anything else. Um, I'd worked so hard to get to that starting quarterback position, and I put, and I got there. And, uh, you know, and I, about five games into that season, um, I, uh, I had had a knee injury, you know, a number of things, but I was benched five games. I, you know, I'd worked my whole life to play college football. And, uh, then I worked two full years of college to get, to get the starting job. I finally got it. And then five games in, I threw four interceptions in the first half against Vanderbilt and I never started again. And, um, you know, that there's a lot of shame in that story because I, I always felt like I was better than that. Right. But I think the Lord was just using it to teach me um, character is the most important thing about a man. Definitely. And, like, what what you do with failure tells you a lot about your character. And um, I just remember, like, sitting there in, my, in, my, in the room, in the um, locker room, thinking – one day, I, I remember this distinctly, thinking like, "What am I going to do with this? Am I going to get angry? Am I going to get frustrated because I feel like the coach is not treating me fairly?" And it wasn't about that. Or, or am I going to try to step up and help the next guy be even better? You know. And um, I remember Joe Call took over the job after that, and he and I were good friends. He was a great high school coach now. Um, and I just remember like thinking you know what, if I can't do it, I need to help him be really good. And mm-hmm. so we worked together, we pushed. We, and then it was like, you know, but I want to play too. Like I need to prove myself somewhere else. And I remember having right. a talk with Coach, Coach Drayton saying, who ran the special teams, he was a special teams coach, and he was saying, I want on the field. And uh, he said, well, let's, let's, yeah, I know you long snap, and so let's just keep doing that, but have you? Would you be interested in playing Wedge Buster? And I was like, I'll do whatever. What is it? 
Um, of course, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I knew what it was, but um, so I remember the first game. I still had quarterback pads on and a quarterback helmet, and I ran down. <laughs> I ran down the field as fast as I could and launched my body into a guy who was 240 pounds. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure I had a pretty sure I had a concussion, and uh, you know, but it was like I I found a way back on the field. But the whole point is this. When you fail, you got the deci- the decision comes: Do I sulk in my failure, or yep. do I find a way, do I find a different way? And uh, yep. you know, and and that develop that perseverance develops your character, and character develops yep. hope, and hope hope doesn't disappoint. Hey, here's a here is a, a a great quote just talking about that. You drown not by falling into the river. But staying submerged in it. That's right. That's good. And that's one where it's there's gonna be times when things don't work out. But what yeah. you gonna do? Am I gonna stay yeah. down or am I gonna get up and roll? And that is that well, is and, so true. And you know, in my business I've had I've had several times I've called on that memory where I want I, I mean like it seems glamorous to own your own business and you kind of be the face of, but man, it's just stressful. It's super mm-hmm. stressful. I mean, like twenty in twenty nineteen, I had two surgeries. One of them was a heart surgery, and I'm forty mm-hmm. years old. You know, like, right. um, and there have been so many times I've just wanted to quit, and I've just had to. I've called on that memory. I've and I've just I've just asked the Lord to just help me, and um, yeah. One of my favorite psalms is. It's in Psalm 119. It says, your word, Lord, is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And I love that word picture of this dim light on a dark path, and there's just enough light to take the next step. And mm-hmm. after you take that one, there's enough light to take the next step. And, the next yeah. step. and, and you know, if you can keep moving forward, um, you, you, you can find a way. You can find a way back, you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Well, hey, one question, one thing. All right. What piece of advice would you give to a young person who aspires to own their own business? Own their own business? Yep. Um, <laughs> make sure it's what you really want to do uh, first. <laughs> make sure you, you feel called to it because. You, you've got to, you've got to, it's, you know, being successful in business is like, um, the way I always compare it is running up, you, you run into a brick wall and you just mm-hmm. keep pushing, even though it doesn't make sense and you keep pushing. Right. And then all of a sudden right. you start seeing a crack in that wall and you make your way through. And that's, that's grit. You got to have grit. Um, if you're going to be successful at anything in life, you got to have enough grit to make it when other people quit. Nice. Nice. Good words. Good words. Good words, man. Well, hey, we really appreciate you coming up coming on and joining us and uh yeah, and sharing with us. Thanks for having me. Hey, hey, it was great. It was great. And uh we definitely uh gonna make sure we get by Chick fil A here sometime soon. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I just heard the the family come in and they got Chick fil A tonight. Nice. Uh, well, if you, if Trey yeah. finds his way out of the books at Vanderbilt, tell him to come come by and say hi. 
I I'll definitely do that. I will definitely do that. <laughs> and we definitely got to get it get it sometime soon. You know, uh, a couple of years ago he's had some things to come up the last couple of years, but Chris actually had an opportunity to come down and uh, and help us coach in the West Foundation uh, football camp, which. Lord willing, after it's going to be over, we can get back out there next year and, and do it bigger at it than we ever had before. So hopefully we can get you back down for that as well. That sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, good luck with everything. Uh, All right, man. I appreciate it. We're going to go to a little break, and we'll be back in a few minutes.
You still there? East Sands, you there? Still there? Big E, you still there, buddy? Hey, I'm back. Is everybody doing all right? Everybody can hear me now? Mike, can you hear me? Oh, excuses, guys. I wish I could. I wish you could pay me $1,000 today. I can tell you 70% is enough. I wish you could pay me 1500 I wish you could pay me 1500 And I could say to you, 80% is going to get it. I guarantee, give me a 1500 I guarantee you, I guarantee you that I magic wand you and 80% will be equivalent to 100% for you. Boof. But it's not going to happen. So I need you to understand something. You can have it if you want it. But the bigger the dream, bigger the dream, the bigger the dream, God, the bigger the dream, the bigger the dream, the harder the grind. And can I be honest with you guys, I'm grinding harder now than I've ever grinded before. Somebody said, E.T., why he called me the other day, said, E.T., I don't know if you've been paying attention, and they were right, I haven't. E.T., we've been going online, and if you go on YouTube and you put the best motivational video of all times, right now, E.T., that's your video. E, how do you feel? E.T., 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 I don't know if you did it, but I did it. The top motivational speakers in the world. And in some categories, E.T., you're there. You're like number 10. You're number 5, E.T. How you feel, E.T.? I said, I'm going to be honest with you. It was easier when I wasn't on the list. It was easier because I wasn't focusing on that. 
We want people to make guarantees to us, but we're not willing to make guarantees to ourselves. Somebody gave you a guarantee, $30, 30-day guarantee. In 30 days, if, that, if you don't make what they told you it's going to make, in 30 days, you got an attitude, you want your money back. But you've never demanded your money back from yourself. What do you do when you're not the only one that wants to make a million dollars in your company? You're not the only one that wants to be the president. You're not the only one that wants to be the CEO. What if you're not the only one that wants what you want? What if there are thousands of other people who want what you want? You have to outwork them. The reason why I'm not successful is because of my boss. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said, I'm not getting up on time? What do you do when a thousand other people want exactly what you want? You've never looked at yourself in the mirror and said, you let you down. Until you get to that point, you let you down. You've never, you're not brave enough. You want to put it on somebody else. I changed. And I stopped being a victim. I stopped saying, I've got to wait for good things to happen to me. And I said, I'm going to ride. I'm going to fight. I'm going to work. I'm going to press toward. I'm going to learn. I'm going to do everything in my power every single day. You got to outgrind them. You got to get up earlier. You got to stay up later. You got to execute. And you got to go from 70 to 120. And if you create a culture of losing, if you keep being a victim, if you keep letting losing happen to you, if And George Foreman admits that he gave Muhammad Ali everything he had. And Muhammad Ali grabbed him and pulled him to him. Old man hadn't fought in years, hurt. And Muhammad Ali pulled him to him and said, is that all you got? And George Foreman said, when he heard the words, that all you got, it penetrated his spirit. And said, I didn't gave my man everything I got. I can't see him to knock me down. And Muhammad Ali said, when he said that to him, he looked into the pupils of his eyes, and he said at that point, he knew George Foreman had Lay hold of it. You lay hold of it. And when that thing tells you to quit, you look at it in his eye and say, I ain't going nowhere. I will break you before you break me. You will not defeat me. You will not destroy me. Some of you are so ignorant. You've been through so much hell. You gonna quit now? You should have quit 10 years ago when you got raped. You should have quit 10 years ago when he walked out on you. You should have been quit. You don't quit now. It's the 10th round. You got two more to go. And when you get to success, it's not about skill. When you get to a certain level of success, it's about stamina. It's about stamina. It's about you won't break me. You can't take me. It's too late. You should have broke me a long time ago. I'm unbreakable now. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You're not hearing what I'm telling you? Y'all thinking it's about talent, it's not. It's about taking the gift you got and, and laying hold of it. Have you ever laid hold of something? 
You created that thing. This ain't no job. That thing speaks about who you are as a person, how you approach life. This ain't no, this ain't no gig. This is the essence of who I am. This is my spirit. This is my character. This ain't no job. Why are you treating it like a job? It's your calling. You took responsibility when I wasn't willing to take responsibility. Don't disrespect nobody that did that. I used to disrespect my, bio- my father who raised me because he wasn't my biological father. I used to disrespect him. Now I honor him. I used to think like, yo, you lied to me. No, you didn't lie to me. You gave me your last name. You took responsibility that didn't belong to you. That was somebody else's responsibility. And you took somebody else's responsibility. To that I will owe you for the rest of my life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It wasn't no lie. You gave me your last name. And I got to respect the fact that you get me, and I got to live it with honor. And then I got to give my kids a name that ain't our name. Because the person that was supposed to be there didn't. The power to influence or direct people's behavior or the course of events. The problem with some of you in this room, you don't have, you don't have the power or the influence to direct nothing. And this is your life. You should be in control of your life. Let me say it this way. They looked at the most successful men and women of the world, and they found that they had like seven, eight things in common. And one of the things they all had in common was a routine. They are obsessed with their routine. They don't have a gap of wasted time in their routine. You know, I realized the reason why I'm so successful and the reason why I don't get in trouble like I used to when I was younger is because when I was younger, man, my schedule had so many gaps in it. The devil had like, okay, he might pray at six, but my man is watching TV. He playing video games by eight thirty. Check one two. It's Check not that I'm two. sweeter than nobody. The devil can't get to me because all my time is taken up, and by the time he get to me, I'm sleep. I'm too sleep to t- out the sand. I'm just being real. Eight thirty. He like Eric, you should. I'm like, bro, I'm tired. I get, come back to me tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like tip me tomorrow, bro. Right. I'm about to go I'll to sleep. I'm good. Back on. I don't um, have, I'm, I'm just tired right Mike, now. He's like, well, no, well? you want to? I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm tired. But let's try tomorrow morning. Right? And I'm being real. I get up at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm sure he's there. Like, I'm 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm sure he's there. Like, yo, E, go back to sleep. Listen to me. I promise y'all. I got up the other day. I got up the other day, like, at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I woke up, and I was just walking around. Like, I was like, I'm so tired. I heard the. Ah, uh, okay. Um. Hey, Emery, can you hear everybody? Check one, two. Everett, I can hear you, buddy. Go ahead. Everett, can you hear me? You can hear me, buddy? Check one, check one. Check, check, check. Check one. Check one. <coughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't have a clue. Okay, let me say it this way. They looked at the most successful men and women of the world, and they found that they had like mm-hmm. seven things in common. And one of the things they all had in common was a routine. They are obsessed with their routine. They don't have a gap 
of wasted time they were taking. You know, I realized the reason why I'm so successful and the reason why I don't get in trouble like I used to when I was younger is because when I was younger, man, my schedule had so many gaps in it. The devil had like, okay, he might pray at 6, but my man is watching TV. He playing video games by 8.30. It's not that I'm sweeter than nobody. The devil can't get to me because all my time is taken up, and by the time he get to me, I'm asleep. I'm too sleep to, t- out to sin. I'm just being real. 8.30, he like, Eric, you should. I'm like, bro, I'm tired. I get, come back to me tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like, tip me tomorrow, bro. I'm about to go to sleep. I'm good. I don't have, I'm, I'm just tired right now. He's like, but no, you want to? I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm tired. But let's try tomorrow morning. Right, and I'm being real. I get up at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm sure he's there, like, I'm 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm sure he's there, like, yo, E, go back to sleep. Listen to me. I promise y'all. I got up the other day. I got up the other day, like, at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I woke up, and I was just walking around. Like, I was like, I'm so tired. I heard the devil say, go back to sleep. I was like, yeah, you're right. I should go back to sleep. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna lie. So I was like, bro, you wanted something. <laughs> He's like, why are you getting up this early? You already number one in the world. You already number one in the world, E. You already doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, E, you've been grinding. Just go ahead, it's three. And my body said, yo, E, what, what would you go back to sleep for? I said, I'm tired. My body said, you're not tired. I said, well, why would you say I'm not tired? He said, because you woke up without an alarm clock. You woke yourself up. So if you were tired, your body wouldn't let you get up. If you were tired, your body would make you sleep to six. You got up. It's three. No, what you don't want to do is the grind, but you're up. So do me a favor, Eric. You don't even have to do anything. You don't even have to work. You've been getting up at three so early in the morning. Don't even worry about it. Just put your shoes on, and when you get on the treadmill, it's just going to do it for you because you've been doing it every day for three o'clock in the morning. For real. My body said, all you got to do is put your shoes on. That's the hardest thing you got to do. Just put your shoes on, and I'll do the rest. I can't put your shoes on for you, but put your shoes on, and then just go. And I just went, and I, I was walking for the, I do the tw- uh, 11 incline boy, and I was just walking for an hour, and I was just like, you know what? It's almost an hour. I don't feel like running. And my body was like, don't even worry about it. We'll get to that when we get to it. I did my hour, was about to get off. My body was like, you know we run now. I said, what? We run now. Let's go. You ain't tired. I said, I am tired. No, you're not. You just walked for an hour. You're not tired, Eric. Your brain is telling you some dumb stuff. If you were tired, you wouldn't have been able to walk for an hour. Okay, so let's do this. Just run for two minutes. I'm trying to help somebody right now go to a whole other level. The, Bible says, the, the reason why you go back to sleep is because you've always gone back to sleep. It's like a default. You, you go back to sleep because you always, all you got to do is stop going to sleep, and then you're going to stop going to sleep. All you got to do is stop fussing and cussing, and you're going to stop fussing and cussing. All you got to do is stop spending all the money you got and start saving it. Listen to me. I became number one in the world. I became a millionaire not because I made more money. I became a millionaire because they told me millionaires only live off of 30% of their income. I want to make it plain for you. I became a millionaire because I did what millionaires did. I stopped living off 100%. I paid my tithe, and then I was like, all right, E, you only got 20% left. (laughs) Put the rest up. So the first thing I did, listen to me, the very first thing I did to become rich, somebody said, E, to be rich, put six months of your earnings to the side. 
So I was like, all right, bet. That's what the rich told me to do. So I put six months to the side. How long did it take? I don't remember, but I put it to the side. Then somebody was like, yo, E, you need to put 100000 to the side. I was like, all right, 100000 DD was going to put 100000 to the side. Then somebody was like, yo, you need to get your credit score up to 800 I was like, all right, then get my credit score up to 800 And then somebody said, E.T., if you want to be Tony Robbins, there's no way you'll be able to be like those dudes when you don't have the language they have. You need to go get your master's and a Ph.D. from a white institution. I said, what? I went to Oakwood. I went to HBCU. He was like, yeah, but you didn't learn the language of Zig Ziglar at Oakwood. So Oakwood is a phenomenal place. Oh, y'all not hearing what I'm saying. I just said something and you missed it. Now you need to go to Michigan State University. CJ, where's my, you see my master's degree anywhere? What about my PhD? Not in the office? Not at church? You ain't seen it in my house? I didn't go to Michigan State to get a PhD. I went to Michigan State to learn the, ma the majority language. You can't speak in corporate when you say Abilams. It doesn't, make it, it doesn't make my community inferior, but I can't. So I went to every single class, and when the teachers was talking, they thought I was just doing homework. I wasn't. I was listening to how they conjugate verbs. I was listening to how they tell stories. I was like, ooh, they, ooh. I peeped it out, y'all. They way more linear. You ever been to a black church before? The pastor, he all over the place. My man told six stories. He didn't close none of them. <laughs> My man has told six stories, I promise you. I don't know what he's, I, I, but I, you know what I'm saying? But in the hood, you just got to, you know what, you like, you finish it for him. It was like, this is what he was going to say. But he never said it, though. My man started six stories. He ain't finished another story. So then I realized when you do corporate, it's A, B, C, D, E, F. It's one, two, three, four, five. It's topic, body, body, body. It's topic, support, 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 conclusion. I didn't go to school. I'm not no kid. I don't need nobody 4.0. I don't need to be affirmed. I don't need your paper on my wall. I need your language, though, if I'm going to compete. I need your rules if I'm going to compete. I need your codes if I'm going to compete. The problem with most of you is you don't have a 1% language. You got a poverty language. No, I want to help you real quick. You think, people, you think Warren Buffett reading just to be reading? The majority of you are poor because you read poor stuff. You watch poor stuff. You on Instagram watching fights. <laughs> for real, you just scrolling through like you ain't got a life. For real, some of y'all on Instagram, you on there for 30 minutes. If I ask you what you saw, you don't even know. You just scrolling through. That's a poverty mindset. Rich people don't waste time. They realize it's their most important commodity. They don't watch a lot of TV. They don't do a lot of entertainment. If they're not working, they're studying their craft and getting better at their craft. Oh, you, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, let me say it one more time. There was a language that I needed to learn. Does it, does it mean I need to abandon the, learn, the language that I learned? Absolutely not. Does it mean I need to put on a shirt and tie? Listen to me. When I do corporate, I promise you I look like this. I probably don't look this good. Sometimes I got on shorts and a T-shirt. In corporate, why? Because I don't need to necessarily conform. They're not asking me to come to dress up. But I'm so good at what I do, they don't even require a suit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of us don't want to wear a suit, but you're not on that level, though. Or you want to wear a suit and act as if your suit is going to compensate for what you are inferior at. Hey, how's everybody doing? Sorry we had a little bit of technical difficulties. 
please, uh, we, we, we're ready to roll. That's the bottom line. We're ready to roll. I think we got through all of that, and and now we're back up and we're live. Um, Mike, it's crazy, yeah, man. Here. Sometimes new technology, man, it 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 got the best of us. You know what happened, but uh, but but we're back on, ready to roll. Fantastic. Well, good. And the crazy thing is, I don't know exactly when it when it went off. I don't know what was heard and what wasn't, but yeah, we're gonna definitely it was on. Like, like right when uh, we finished up with Chris. Right when we finished up with Chris, yeah. Yep. And then, uh, and then it sort of just went haywire. But we're gonna have uh, Doug Stewart going to come on here in a, in a few minutes, and then we'll we'll get Nicole Dunson right after that. Um, but one one of the things that is gonna happen here at, in an hour. Is we got some basketball that's got to be played. You know, the question is, will the Heat bring that Heat, or will the Lakers go on and put it out? What do you think? Oh, I think the Heat's going to take them. So you think the Heat's going to go on and make this thing competitive? At least get it to three-two, and let's let's go on and get it to get six. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to do it. I hadn't I hadn't watched any games. I've been watching some of the highlights of it. But um, right. I just got a, got that got that sense. I think the Heat's going to do something here. What's your gut? Yeah. What's your gut telling? You? Well, see, I was calling for the Heat to win anyway. Oh, were you? And then the Lakers. Okay. Yeah, I I actually said I was I called it early and said the Heat and sick. Of course, everybody <laughs> said I was crazy. And <laughs> and and now, of course, the Lakers are proving that I that I am a little crazy. But you know, I got to root for the underdog. <laughs> you know, you it's know just part of right. who we are. We got to root for the underdog. That's and, right. Uh, but but Butler went off last uh, the other day, and we'll see if he can go on going to go off again and make some things happen. Make some things happen. Come on tonight. It starts. It comes on at nine o'clock. Okay. We'll have to tune in. We finish here, then uh, then the game will be ready to roll. Fantastic. So who's who do you got on next? You got Doug, Nicole. Um. Yep. I got. Well, we just sort of switched it up. Um. We'll get Doug on. He actually was called in, and I'm trying to get him back on now. Um. Gotcha. Hey, you hold on one second. Let's see if we can go and give okay. Doug a call. Call him. Sounds good. We're gonna we're gonna switch it up a little bit. Hello. Doug. Yes. Hey, how you doing, Everett Sands? With the West Foundation Sports Show, we just decided going to give you a call back. Are you still ready to roll? Yeah. Are we Are we on right now? We're on right now, baby. We had some technical difficulties, but we, we've overcome them. Okay. Overcome All right. That's what's up. Oh. <laughs> how you doing, man? 
I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I got my man Mike Flynn on top on with me. Mike say What's hello. What's up, Mike? Hey Doug. hey, Doug. What's going on? Nothing much, man. About to watch my Lakers kick some butt. <laughs> oh, we were just talking about it. There you go. We were just talking. <laughs> so, now, again, you know, I'm an underdog guy, so I had to pull for the heat. I got to pull for the oh. heat. Oh, okay. Nah, so, that's not going to happen. I, uh, I mean, I'm not like I'm not like one of these LeBron fans or these uh, recent fans. I've been a Laker fan since since Norm Nixon and Jamal Wilkes, like, like 81, go. 82, okay, before uh, Magic got there. <laughs> since, you knew, since you knew anything about pulling for a team, you were the Lakers, huh? Yes, sir. You better believe it, man. And uh, so, I mean, I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, but, I mean, he wearing purple and gold now, so it's all good, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, hey, well, I'm I'm saying that it's going to go at least another game. That he can pull it out again. Well, I mean, they uh, at at the start of the series, I said it would go six. Um, right. I thought after two, it was gonna it was gonna be a sweep. I was gonna change my my pick and say it was gonna be a sweep. But uh, you know, they had a they had a the game three loss was just you know they let their guard down. Um, they got a lot of bad calls early against Anthony Davis, so he was in foul trouble and. They hit shots. Yeah. Miami hit a lot of shots. There's a reason why they're in the finals, okay? But yep. but tonight, yeah. you can book it, okay? If your listeners want to know, you know, what direction this game is going to go in, tonight LeBron is going to put clamps on Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Lakers by 25. What? Lakers by 25. by 25 tonight. Bounce back game. Oh, wow. wow. Book it. Wow. Wow. Hey, 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 I don't think – I think Jimmy Butler is just getting started and he get ready to go off again. Yeah, I doubt that, man. We'll see, but I doubt that very seriously. <laughs> I mean, there's no way the, there's no way the Lakers not going to win the series. Um, you know, first of all, they, 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 they're they they fighting for a higher cause. They're trying to win this ring for the, for the Mamba, for the Black Mamba, rest in peace. Um, and LeBron and, and Anthony Davis, I mean, they just got too much. There's just too many storylines oh. for the Lakers. Dwight Howard, it, it seems right that Dwight Howard would get a ring in his NBA career. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He hadn't really done a right. lot in the last couple of years, but Dwight's a Hall of Famer. If you look at his numbers, you'd be shocked, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I, just think, I just think that everything's, you know, aligning perfectly for the Lakers to get another ring this year, man. Mm. Mm. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see. We shall see. We shall see. Now, before we even get to some financial advice, we're going to get to that in a second. But give me your – give me now, now, again, everybody, this is Doug Stewart. He's he's part of the two live students um, who, who they've had a National Syndicated Radio show. So he's been in sports for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I'm, let's talk a little college football for a second. I look at the top 25. And I see Ohio State at number six, Penn State at number nine, Oregon at number 12, Wisconsin at number 16, Michigan at number 20, and Minnesota at number 25. And they won't play a game until October 24th. And Oregon's not going to play until November the 7th. Now, 
everybody is playing everybody. Uh, Clemson's got got uh, uh, Miami this week. Uh, right. Tennessee, Georgia. Everybody's got a chance to beat everybody. So it could easily be four or five teams in the top ten and they haven't played a game yet. What's your thought on that? This is a unique year, man. I mean, uh, to, to quote somebody, it is what it is. Um, right. To be honest with you, man, we all college football fans, but the fact that we have a, a, a viable season that's actually going on, um, because I thought mm-hmm. they would try because there's so much money at stake. You know, there's so much right. money at exactly. stake. I thought they would try, but I thought by now they would have already had to shut it down again because of the spread of the virus. Um, mm-hmm. I was wrong. I'm happy I was wrong. Um, exactly. This is just a unique year, even what we're seeing in other leagues as well. In the NBA, with this bubble, which mm-hmm. I think is the best, um, you know, system for doing things. It's hard to do that in other sports because you got more players and uh, mm-hmm. you got, you know, you got you, you, you really can't just play in one location because games take three hours and there's 32 teams. So, this is just a, an abnormal year, man. Um, we're going to look back at it and, and see its uniqueness and kind of appreciate a little, uh, appreciate it a little bit. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what changes the committee um, make as far as the playoffs, or if they are going to make a, a change in the playoffs and how you know they're rated, the teams are rated. Um, you know, mm-hmm. instead of going with four, maybe they go with eight. You know, maybe they go with 10 and give the top two teams a bye in week one. I, I don't know. Um, if, you know, Ohio State comes in and, you know, plays dominant football, which a lot of people thought that they were before the season even started, you know, my hat's off to them. Um, I mean, bottom line, I think at the end of the day, if Ohio State can get their, their feet under them, I think it's going to end up being them and Clemson. You know, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields, both Georgia boys, both played in the same mm-hmm. high school conference. Um, I, I think that's probably what's ultimately going to happen because if you look at those two teams, man, they just, I think, far and away better than everybody else. Alabama could slip in there maybe, you know, because of their depth and because of their their legacy. But I, I really don't have any problems with teams playing abbreviated seasons and still have an opportunity to play in bowl season and play for a national championship. I really don't have a problem with it this, this year. Right. right, right. Which, and here's the question. And I don't know if NCAA has, has really decided that yet. Is if you don't start your first game until November 7th, how many games are the, are the Pac-12 playing on playing? Right. How many games – because really, two weeks earlier, the Big Ten. How many games are they planning on playing? Right. And then when is the when is the playoffs gonna when is that gonna start? Right, right, right. Here's the thing, though. Here's, oh. here's here's the kind of like X factor when you think about it. Right. Remember mm-hmm. now, it's it's never been with this new system that we've had the playoffs over the last couple of years. It's never been about how many wins you have. Um, technically, you know, the ultimate factor isn't about even the number of quality wins you have. You have. Mm-hmm. It's based on a committee looking at you, looking at your, your personnel, 
looking at your record, right. you know, there's a couple different variables. And if 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 the if a member says they think this team is better than that team, that's all that really matters. You know? Right. At the end of the day, right. Clemson could have, you know, six wins and Michigan could have ten, um, but the personnel is not equal to what Clemson has and there's a lesser conference and there's less lesser competition. So really it's all about the eyeball test at the end of the day. Right. There's really mm-hmm. no set in stone if you have this many wins, if you have this many wins against top 10 or top 20 opponents, you go, you're going to be elevated to this spot in the rankings. It's never, it's never been like that since this whole playoff thing has started. At the end of the day, it's really the eyeball test and who they think are the two best teams in the country. Right. Uh, I guess with the playoffs, the four best teams. The four best teams. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah. talking, about, I'm talking about the teams that are in the conversation that are in the rankings, right. you know, throughout right. the season. Right. But, yeah, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and we've had that occasion happen uh, in the last couple of years. You know, yeah. there's yeah. been some teams yeah. with a slightly better record uh, than some of the finalists that we've seen uh, in the last couple of years. And the committee is like, nah, we think this team is just better than that team. <laughs> you know? Now, it seems like another factor is if you lose, if you look, it's like, if you're better off if you lose early in the season than late in the season. If and they you lose uh, early, forgive me. But if you lose yeah, late, yeah, game on you. Yeah, yeah. They always they always say that that really doesn't come into play, but it has to. And I just think that that's uh, you know that's that's kind of like the human element playing in it into it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You you try to be impartial. You try not to, uh, you know, let that come into play. But the problem is, man, it's uh, out of sight, out of mind. And, you know, I think and, – and I kind of feel the same way too. If I was a voter, mm-hmm. I kind of look at teams and, you know, maybe this will come into factor in, in, in this, uh, you know, uh, year, this, this year that's unusual. Um, right. I kind of look at it as teams may have an early loss, but if they get better by the end of the year – markedly better mm-hmm. and you know that they're better and they, you know, you know, polished up some things that they were, you know, kind of uh, weak on early in the year, they addressed those throughout the season, then, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do put less weight on what happened in week one or week two. You know, you played the right. game before. A lot of times teams are just trying to uh, – are just getting to a point where they're just starting to click after five, six, exactly. seven games, you know. Exactly. So I, I really don't have an issue with that as well. Well, we're going to go back to last year for a second. Um, Ohio State took a bad loss, a bad yeah. loss. I think it was the Iowa State. But they were still in the conversation now. And that was that was probably game four or five, so that was closer to the middle of the year. Um, so how how do you feel about that one? Well, yeah, that was tough. And, and, and it's crazy it because I hate, I, I hate Ohio State. <laughs> I hate Ohio <laughs> State because I'm, I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. And I right. I always reflect to the national championship that was stolen from Miami, and I believe it was 01, with that horrible, horrible uh, pass interference call against Ohio State. Uh, well, it was Miami against Ohio State. And Miami was about to win the game, and this phantom pass mm-hmm. interference call came. I go back and look at today. You, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, right. but, but so I'm not a fan of Ohio State. But, man, if you look at their quarterback play, once again, I, I mentioned them earlier, if you look at Justin Fields and you look at that team, they got better 
as the year went on. And really all they right. wanted to be in was in a position to play to get in that Final Four. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really not, you know, really any difference between one and four. You just need to get in that top four. And if you're better yeah. than number one, you prove it on the field. And uh, trust me, if, if the wide receiver for Ohio State doesn't break off his route last year in their playoff game, Ohio State, uh, <laughs> you know, has a chance to advance, you know. Yeah. The, the throw from Justin Fields, and you probably know what I, you remember what I'm talking about, yeah. the final play. Yeah, yeah, the final play, Justin Fields threw a dart, and the receiver yeah. just kind of broke off his route a little bit too early, a half a second too early. Oh, yeah, they were going to win that game, man. Right. And then another factor there is that the running back doesn't get hurt for Ohio State. It's a wrap. Right. Right. It's definitely I'm, a wrap. It will definitely hurt them. But if he's healthy, oh, bro. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So, he, so it's going to be great... an interesting season, man. It's definitely going to be an interesting yeah. season. Um, can't wait to see these teams from the Big Ten and the uh, Pac-12 get out there and play. Um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I've been very concerned. I mean, you know, you once again, I keep re- referencing. Everybody knows that's listening to your show. I'm sure yeah. that you played. Um, I've just been real worried about the athletes coming back and, and trying to cram in, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, what what normally takes a whole lot longer, two a days, and you know, a yeah. month long of training camp or whatever. And so I'm, I'm, I've been real concerned about little injuries, pulls, uh, tears. And we really haven't seen a lot of it. We've seen a, a couple of, of guys that you probably could attribute the fact that they've had a lesser training camp than normal. But really it hadn't been as out of control as I thought it might be. Well, you know, two weeks ago in the NFL was huge. There were seven torn ACLs that weekend. That was the weekend right. that, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of guys got hurt. So, you know, you kind of – I'm sure there's no scientific – proof that the lack of preseason and the lack of camp had anything to do with it, but you got to ask yourself, I mean, seven in one weekend is a lot. It's a lot. And uh, especially those highly trained athletes in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think the NFL is probably even in a worse situation because, you know, it's a lot of money on the line, and mm-hmm. they probably, you know, hit even to a lesser degree than the college guys are. Um, right. Because the owners want to yep. protect the investment, so they don't want guys out there, you know, doing Oklahoma drills or whatever in practice when they exactly. definitely have a game exactly. to play and they have TV contracts and there's just a lot of money on the line and uh, you know teams want to win, but you know at the end of the day, uh, teams in the NFL, the NFL has to they, those those owners looked at it like we got to get this product on the field, okay. And um, exactly. so they probably even did less hitting, probably less scrimmaging than the college players did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I would totally agree with that because they always hit less than the college. Yeah, yeah. Every level you go up, every level you go up is less hitting, <laughs> you know. And uh, especially yep. with the pros not having any preseason, I mean, what do they normally play, four preseason games? So that yep. in itself, okay, you probably – they probably scrimmaged a couple of teams a couple of times, but, you know, the speed, when you're on the field yeah. and the lights are on and there's fans out there in a preseason game is probably a lot different than, than just a scrimmage on a mm-hmm. field where there's, you know, no fans and it's just two teams yeah. and 
you know, nobody's trying to get hurt in a scrimmage. So it's probably still a lot different than, than in the years past. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, because I got a couple of buddies up there, I don't think they had scrimmage against other teams either just because of the COVID. The, the, wow. You know, the wow. COVID. It was – Wow. Hey, you line up and you play. <laughs> that was, that was yeah, great. yeah, yeah. This is a very unique year. It's a very unique year. Yeah. and uh, So we'll see. Um, I, I, there was a lot of talk about, you know, it being a, an asterisk by these seasons, these professional seasons. I totally am against that. If, right. if if you're out here, these are special circumstances, and if you find a way to push through it, okay, I even think yeah. that you should get even more kudos in this year because everything's just so different. And uh, so mm-hmm. I don't have any issues with whoever they crown as uh, World Series champs, NBA champions, Super Bowl champion. I have no mm-hmm. issues with, with anybody that, that, right. that does what they're supposed to do, pushes through and wins a championship on the field or on the court or on the diamond. Now, just just speaking of that, two surprises, so to speak. Your Buffalo Bills are four and zero, and your Cleveland Browns are three and one. With some good quality wins. Yeah. You know, which is yeah, it's been a long time since the Bills have been four and zero, and and we actually a uh, young man that played for me, Andre Roberts, who was actually on the show a couple of weeks ago. He plays receiver for them. They're doing a great job, and then the Cleveland Browns. Which I know the brownies are going crazy, and uh, they, they got this week. So it's hey, but they find a way to get it done. Yeah, um, I'll say this: the uh, the Browns, their wins. I think they won against like the Bengals. Uh, they beat Dallas. I, I guess that's a yep. quality win. Both teams didn't really play a lot of defense in that game. What both teams scored over thirty something points. Um, the um, real yeah. the, the game where they win against a real, what I would call a real team, uh, is against Baltimore, and um, right. they got molly whopped against Baltimore. But that was like the first week of the season, so I'm sure that the Browns fans listen. The Browns fans need to have something to hold their hat on, <laughs> okay? And good for them being three and one. You know, Nick right. Chubb, the running back, uh, the Georgia running back, man, is really a workhorse. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they got Odell Beckham Jr. So they got players on on paper. The Browns look yep. like a good team, <laughs> okay? Yep. But but as as you know, the games aren't played on paper. You know, I'm still I'm still questioning and trying to figure out if Baker Mayfield is, is the real deal. You know, right. they had a good win this right. past weekend. I, I I thought going into the season, the Cowboys' defense was one of the best defenses in the league, but they they aren't proving that. And uh, Baker Mayfield lit them up real big this weekend. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and he he's got some weapons. You know, I had an opportunity to do an internship with them last summer. They definitely got some weapons on the offensive side. I think their their backfield is really strong. Um, the receiving core is pretty good, mm-hmm. and they got some weapons, and this right. week they got the Indianapolis Colts. So we'll, this Indianapolis Colts are three and one. So that's I think this is going to be a quality a quality game, and and we'll get a chance to see all the brownies for real. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see because even just saying that, just saying it out loud, sounds strange. The Browns are for <laughs> real. <laughs> that sounds strange. It was almost like years ago when the Golden State Clippers started Golden State Warriors. Uh, started right. winning, 
And you were like, yeah. you know, our, you, you're pretty much the same age as me, or you're a little bit younger than me. But our entire lives, the Golden State Warriors uh, are, have some been synonymous with, you know, the, the bottom-of-the-barrel team in the NBA. You know? Exactly. And football is pretty much the Browns. Uh, baseball, yeah. I guess, maybe, which is interesting because the Padres are doing good this year. So, yeah, yep. this, this, this historically these bad teams over the last 40 years, I'm 50 years old, and to just say that the Browns are relevant to a degree is, is, is interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> now, here's something else that's interesting. The Philadelphia Eagles are 1-2-1, one, and, one, and they lead their division. Wow. NFC East is trash, as the young people say. <laughs> they are trash, okay? I am super yeah. shocked about the Cowboys thus far this year. Um, right. The Washington team, okay? The Washington oh. team, I thought they were going to be much better. Philadelphia struggling, Carson Wentz, you know. Um, yeah. Everybody's, you know, all-American kid. And Dallas, you know. And it's crazy because Dak Prescott is, is you know, throwing for a ton of yards, but they aren't getting wins. It kind of reminds me of, of our quarterback here in Atlanta, Matt Ryan. Like, if you look at Matt Ryan's numbers, he's, he puts up a ton of numbers, but the wins just haven't been there. And it, uh, a lot of people attribute that to the fact that they always get behind and teams go into prevent defenses. So, you know, the, the, the Falcons and now the Cowboys just end up throwing the ball the entire second half. But it's just real strange to watch Dak in, in this position, knowing that he's trying to get a contract. And to me, it looks like he's doing everything he can, you know. But right. the wins at the end of the day, they're going to look at that win column, man. <laughs> okay? Yep, they're going to look at that win column. And right now, they got to turn it around real quick. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. All right, we've got about five minutes. But, hey. Want to talk just just spend this rest of the time to talk about financial literacy and why that is so important, and just 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 a brief overview on you know kind of what you do and just words of advice uh, for our listeners of what they can do to help improve their financial literacy. Yeah, so I I work for one of the largest and oldest mutually held financial institutions in the country, um, A rated across the board by. Uh, Moody's, AM Best, Standard & Poor, uh, Fitch's, um, been in business since 1845. So th- there's four areas that you want to be diversified in. Uh, number one, uh, you want to you make sure that you're straight as far as risk management, and that's life insurance. Okay. Then you want to try to spread your portfolio into wealth accumulation, that's investments, uh, wealth distribution, is the investments that you actually spend uh, throughout your adult life. And then the last part is state planning, okay? Um, as far as life insurance, this is one of the best-kept secrets in, in the financial services industry. A lot of people create wealth, generational wealth for their family, uh, actually able to change their financial trajectory, you know, for generations through life insurance. Um, and so there's different types of life insurance. So protect yourself. Don't be one of these families where if you are the breadwinner and something tragic were to happen to you early in life, uh, your family would be scrounging. And it, the life insurance is, is too 
inexpensive not to get a good life insurance plan. Uh, and investments, right. real simple for investments, diversify, okay? Um, risk tolerance, okay? Uh, your risk tolerance is much higher when you're younger. It's much less when you're older. And time horizon, speaking of younger and older, the earlier you start investing, the better, okay? Um, and spread it out. Spread it out in different investment and financial vehicles. You know, get you some life insurance. Get you some term. Get your whole life. Put some money in some mutual funds, 529 plans, uh, you know, uh, IRAs, you know, 401Ks, any place you can because the whole, you know, we're from the country, and uh, the whole don't put all your eggs in one basket mentality should come into play. Spread out your, your risk so if one does bad, another investment picks it up. Very simple, very simple. And so, and so I always tell people, man, you may not uh, know a lot about investing, but talk to someone that you know older that's invested for an extended period of years and get suggestions, get referrals of an uh, investment person to, to use and to do business with. Right. Good, 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 good. All right, man. Well, hey, well, they wanted to get in contact with you. How would they find you? Well, I'm, I'm actually not uh, uh, selling investments or life insurance anymore. I'm actually a partner now uh, where my focus okay. is, is recruiting and developing new agents into the industry. Um, but okay. if you're listening to this show and you live in the metro Atlanta area or you know someone in the metro Atlanta area that's looking for a career opportunity, once again, with a Fortune 100 company, uh, A-rated across the board, I'd love to talk to you. Um, my phone number is 678-770-8073. Again, that's 678-770-8073, and my name is Doug Stewart. Well, Doug, we definitely appreciate you coming on, and we definitely hope to get you back on sometime soon. And we won't have the technical difficulties the next time. That's all right, man. Hey, Everett, appreciate you. Love you, bro. Yeah, love you too, baby. Appreciate you, and we'll talk sometime soon. Hey, we're going to go to a quick break, and we'll be back in a few minutes.
Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Show. We're happy to have you back. Yes, a little bit earlier, we did have a couple of technical difficulties, and we were supposed to have Miss Nicole Dunson on at 7.30, but we're lucky to have her on now. So, Nicole, welcome to the West Foundation Sports Show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am doing well, doing well. Glad we got over those difficulties we had earlier, but besides oh, yeah. that, it's been all it has been all good. Now, you are the head basketball, head girls basketball coach at Brewer High School, right? Now, yes, sir, here in Fort Worth. That, mm-hmm. Yep, in Fort Worth, Texas. And before that, you were at University of Texas, El Paso. Yep. And just, yep. Well, just tell yep. us a little bit about your background. Just tell us where, where you've been and opportunity. Okay, okay. Well, I'm originally from Corpus Christi, Texas, so way down south. Uh, played ball down there and ended up getting a Division One scholarship out to the University of Central Florida in Orlando and uh, transferred and finished up my playing career and academic career at the University of Texas in San Antonio. I coached uh, for four years as a varsity coach at Harlandale High School on the south side of San Antonio before I went back to my hometown and actually coached at my, my rival high school at King High School in Corpus Christi. Um, then I was called for an opportunity to, you know, go to the next level and, and coach at the University of Texas San Antonio, which obviously I couldn't pass that up. That's my, my alma mater. So I coached there for like, four years, and um, then I moved out to El Paso and accepted a, a recruiting coordinator and Division One assistant coach position out there at uh, UTEP before, you know, coming to Fort Worth and just changing it up and, and getting back into the high school scene here at Brewer High School. Well, good. Well, one thing that we said before, and we still got to make it happen somewhere down the road, where I'm going to be the head coach of the football team, you're going to be the head coach of the women's basketball team at some college or university down the road. So we're still going to make that happen. Um, but, you know, this year has been very different. Um, now, did you all get an opportunity to finish your season your, your season in the spring? Yeah, we were we were fortunate. Our guys did not get a chance to finish. Their season was, was cut short um, as far as, you know, like the state playoffs and stuff like that. But we finished our season, um, and it, what, what just happened was, it, of course, it affected our, our postseason. Right, right. The Now, how was that for your girls um, uh, as far as the seniors? That, that had opportunity, well, how many of them had opportunity to go play at the next level? How did the cut short of the season um, affect the recruiting of the younger girls? How is this, mm-hmm. the whole COVID been affecting your, your, your program? Okay. Well, thankfully for us, um, you know, I, I've been able to network throughout the years and, and had some good connections. And so it didn't really affect our seniors. We had uh, two young ladies who wanted to play at the next level and they both were able to, you know, achieve that, and, and they're both in school right now at their respective uh, colleges. So thankfully that was really good. You know, what what, what hurt us, though, was, you know, of course, all the, the senior stuff, the banquets and the senior night and right. all those kind of things that we didn't have the opportunity to do. So, you know, we, we had to think outside of the box and did a senior drive-by, and, you know, we did some outdoor signing things with social distancing for the for the young ladies who did sign. Um, now, mm-hmm. as far as recruiting moving forward, I mean, it's very different. You know, I mean, everything is on film right now because 
these NCAA coaches are not allowed to go out until I believe uh, in January. Now they keep pushing it back and pushing Mm -hmm. it back. So it it makes, makes my job a little bit tougher, you know, and which is perfectly fine with me as far as making sure that I'm doing my best to advocate the young ladies in our program and connect with the coaches and make sure they've got the film in their hand. um, Because, Mm -hmm. you know, now I can't just call them up and, and ask them to come out and watch a game like usual. Right. Now, when will your season start? Well, we will start October 21st. So we've got just a couple weeks left, and, you know, we're, we're ready to go. Well, you're starting four days before the college starts. So they start on the 25th, right? Mm-hmm, yep. And, but, uh, but, of course, they still can't come out. But at least they'll be able to put some things on tape. Now, is right. gonna, I know they pushed the season back. Now, will they cut it short on the other end, or how is the layout of the season going to look? You know, it's actually really not that different. Uh, they did away with tournaments and four-team mm-hmm. scrimmages. And otherwise, it's it's pretty much the same for us. Um, same time frame, same length. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, playoffs, you're used to making it to, like, a regional tournament. I don't know how that's going to look, right. you know, because usually you're having multiple teams at one side, and, and we're not allowed to have tournaments. So I think it's going to be very different, you know, once we make it to the playoffs. But, hey, I, as long as we're making it to the playoffs and taking care of business, it thing. can look like whatever it needs to look like. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now, this is your second or third year? This is your third year there? I'm starting my third year here. Mm-hmm. Starting your third year. Okay. All right. Now, you got a lot of girls coming back or how you are looking? Well, we graduated only three seniors, so we actually have a very young team. And, you know, I've got a really good group of girls. They're really dedicated. They work hard. You know, even during this COVID time when they could have just been taking it off, they were playing AAU ball. They were, you know, doing training outdoors since you couldn't really be in the gyms. Mm -hmm. Um, I would send workout videos. They would send me videos back. We'd FaceTime, you know, sometimes do, um, like, Zoom call work out. So, I mean, they've been, they've, man, they've been some real troopers. I tell you that. I, I really love the group that I'm working with and they put the time in even when they could have been off chilling. Well, that's good. That's good. And now here's the thing. I would imagine that most of the girls did not have a weight room at home. No, most of them so didn't. what type of things were they doing um, besides just running? and doing push-ups and sit-ups. Right. You know, it's, it's, uh, technology is amazing nowadays, and you can pretty much find mm-hmm. anything that you want on social media. And so I follow a lot of different trainers, um, you know, personal trainers for strength and conditioning and, and things like that, and then also for basketball skills training. So either I would have to sometimes demonstrate things on video, um, or I could just pull stuff off of, like, Instagram and send them videos that have the demonstrations that – have like different high intensity workouts or sprint intervals or, I mean, there's a lot of mm. things that you can do with, you know, no weights or with body weight, or even, you know, if you just are resourceful and maybe grab like two gallons of water and you can use them for weights or, you know, if they had one plate, you know, Hey, we can, we can work with that. We can figure that out. And thankfully some of the girls actually do have weight rooms at their houses or they had at least some dumbbells or some bands or something. So, you know, we had to think outside the box and get creative, but um, they didn't really miss a beat. And, and this summer we were allowed to get back in the in the weight room with them. We are fortunate to have an indoor football field, which we turned into a weight room. 
So we were able to maintain social distancing, open the garage doors. And so uh, we, we've been in the weight room all summer and, and in the fall. So we're, we're really blessed. We're in a unique situation. Our facilities are, are second to none. Um, and that's why we were able to do it because of that space, you know. Right. Well, good. Good. Now, they're playing. How, how's the football team doing? I imagine they're playing right now, right? And, yes, and they how are is, playing. Are they allowing anybody at the games? or how How is that looking? You know, everything looks really different right now as far as being able to purchase tickets. You, you've got to go online, purchase in advance, you purchase certain seats. And we can basically operate at, at 50% capacity since it is an outdoor facility. We have an outdoor stadium. So we can fill it up to 50%. Our our uh, first home game was sold out, you know, of course at 50%, but, you know, it was great. We had a, a great fan base. And um, football team's doing good this year. So, you know, we, we've got a real yeah. young team as well, and they're, they're taking care of business. Well, good. Now, how does that 50% translate to basketball because um, it's indoor? Yeah, it's a little bit – it's very different indoors because, you know, with bleachers, you've got to skip skip a level each time. So, you know, you have one bleacher row open, then you've got another bleacher row uh, that's closed off. And so right. what happens is you can't really operate at 50%, even though you, you, take, you can, but you can't, you know, not with maintaining social distancing. So they have everything marked off. You purchase seats. Um, they've tried to add, like, a couple of rows, you know, in front of one side of the bleachers. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's going to look pretty different. You know, that's how, how it is for volleyball right now, and I'm assuming that we'll probably be doing the same unless, you know, we get a vaccination or a cure for COVID. Right, right. Which the, I don't know, just like the flu, there's no cure for the flu. There is a vaccination. Right, right. right. It's possible. But but I don't know if if it will actually uh, be a cure. So right, it's being a virus. Never, yeah, not likely. Right, but at least exactly. maybe something better to treat the symptoms. Right, definitely, definitely. Now the at the football games, do they require everybody to wear a mask? You know, actually, I just, I did not go to our first game, but um, okay. I know as far as like on our campus, everything indoors, we have to have a mask. I'm not sure about right. outdoors. Um, at the stadium, just like I said, I didn't I didn't go to the first game. I was just tuning in um, on the radio. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I know at the volleyball game for sure you have to have a mask on no matter where you're sitting, right. even though you're maintaining social distance. It's it's not an option. Right. You know, even the players that are sitting out, you know, everybody's got to have a mask on. Okay, so I, I would imagine that. Yeah, and of course, being basketballs inside in the same. Arena at the volleyball, mm-hmm. they're probably exact same thing there. Yeah, um, yeah, it'll be the same. It'll be interesting. Now, um, just to go back to um, recruiting, right mm-hmm. now, um, last year they gave everybody an extra year if they wanted it, um, mm-hmm. and of course if the school supported. The from what I understand, they just sort of didn't allow that to count towards the scholarship count. Mm-hmm. Now, I know for the fall sports, they gave all these kids an opportunity to come back for another year, same deal. Mm-hmm. Are they going right. to do that for the spring as well, or is it going to be that was just last year and now the seniors are really seniors? And then how is that going to affect recruiting 
as far as your girls? Is that going to minimize the spots that they get, or is it going to be more of just the seniors are done and it's going to be as normal? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question, and I've actually I've thought about it, but I really don't know all the answers. Like we have uh, one young lady right now. We have we have two girls that were on that are on scholarship this year, and one is actually you know she's at the school, she's practicing, she's going to classes, and then we have another one who is at home, you know, and she's actually coming up to our practices and, and been doing some workouts at our school, mm-hmm. but everything for her is online, and she's not allowed to go until the spring semester. We also have a, a manager that he was our, one of our managers last year, but he's you know big time in football and and track and field, Mm -hmm. and so he actually earned a full scholarship to Arkansas for track and field, and, you know, they're not allowing them to compete either, so he's he's home, and he's been, you know, busting his butt at home working out, but it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, and also, like you said, how it affects recruiting. You know, I just think it's it's essential. These these kids that are really wanting a scholarship are going to have to, I mean, they're going to have to really be on their A game and go above and beyond to make sure that they're doing something to separate themselves from the others, because, you know, it, it could lead to limited opportunities and not just limited opportunities, but, you know, right now there's limited visibility depending on who you know. You know, um, I'm, I'm thankful for the position that I'm in and for the uh, the networking and the connections that I've been able to make with my time in, in college coaching. Um, so I think, right. you know, my, my, my girls will have a, definitely have a fair share of opportunities, but, you know, maybe somebody else that doesn't have those type of connections or, or doesn't know who to call or, you know, who to network with, I think it can be, you know, more difficult because now the girls are not just out there playing, especially, I mean, even with AAU basketball, you know, the college coaches mm-hmm. were having to just watch everything on, on video. And that's a right. lot of video to sort through. So, it you is. know, it's going to look it really is. different. And, you know, I just encourage student athletes right now. I mean, you know, you really got to grind and, even if you don't know people, hey man, get on get online and do your research, mm-hmm. find email addresses and be persistent, you know. You might maybe you send right. an email and you don't hear something back, you know, don't just don't get discouraged, keep sending, you know, keep sending and try different places and and also be open to different opportunities and make sure that, you know, where you're looking at is is a good fit, you know. I mean, there are mm-hmm. so many different levels, and I think sometimes people get locked into this idea of I have to go to this school or it has to be this level, you know, and they they don't realize mm-hmm. there are other opportunities that might be, you know, better suited for them. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Because um, some kids say, hey, I got to go here, and mm-hmm. they play, you're probably better off going somewhere else. Right. Um, but it's, hey, it's it's a tough decision. Sometimes it's tough to to explain that to a, a young person uh, because mm-hmm. they do have a mindset on that. It's like this is where I gotta go. Um, right. The opportunity to have, but you have opportunities anywhere, and mm-hmm. and that that is so important because you know the big thing that we try to do at the West Foundation is to get kids to understand that you can have success without making it to that professional level. Oh, yeah. And even making it to that professional level, the sport's going to end at some point, and you still got to make sure you have the tools and you are prepared to have success after your sport. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's what we're working to do and trying to get kids to understand. And as I say Mm -hmm. that, let me ask this question. piece of advice would you give a young person 
that that has aspirations to play past high school. Okay. Uh, I would say, I mean, you've got to put in extra hours, you know. I think that some some of this generation nowadays, they kind of think like, oh, if I go to practice and I work hard, I'll make it to the next level. And, you know, part of it is true, but you've got to do, not only do you have to practice hard and work hard, you know, during the time that you're required to be there, but you've got to put time in on your own. You know, you've got Mm -hmm. to figure out something that is going to separate you from all the other people that are out there that are having the same aspirations as you. And if you don't really perfect your craft, then, you know, there's probably somebody out there that's doing it better than you. So, you know, putting in that extra time, but also being smart about it too. I think that, you know, sometimes these kids do too much. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is they, they jump from their high school season to straight to AAU to with the trainer to, you know, going back to the high school. And it's just like year-round nonstop. And right. I, I do think that there is a time to rest. You know, I think there's a time to be a kid, you know, and that doesn't mean yeah. that you don't grind, but also, like, be well-rounded and have, have a good balance in your life. Make sure you're spending time – you know, with your family and, and enjoying those moments before you go off to school. Make sure that you're also focusing on your academics. You know, make sure you're focusing on your faith because at, at the end of the day, like, you know, you'll play basketball or you'll play whatever sport it is for a certain amount of time, but your career is going to end at some point in time. Like, you will not mm-hmm. play football or play basketball or run track or baseball for the rest of your life. You may stay connected to it in some way, like I'm coaching, but you will not always be an an athlete in that sense, you know. And um, I just think it's important to make sure that you've developed some other type of skills outside of your athletics, you know. What else are you doing to make yourself a better and more well-rounded person? Um, You know, something that I I do with our our girls is we do leadership training. And so Mm -hmm. this, you know, basketball for me is, I love it. I'm passionate about it, but it's just a vessel to be able to teach these young ladies about how to be successful, period. You know, not just in basketball, but wherever life may take them, I want them to be the best at whatever it is that they do. I want them to be the best doctor, the best teacher, the best lawyer, the best nurse, whatever it is. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we do leadership training. Um, we talk about how to be a more effective leader, how to work with people, how to handle conflicts all those types of things, different team building and working on interpersonal communication skills. So things that are, you know, they're not basketball per se, but they're life. And, you know, if you can learn those things, not only will you be a a better student athlete, but you'll be better at at life, period. So, you know, just being Mm well-rounded, you know, respect the grind, make sure you're doing your extra, but also make sure that you're developing, you know, other other things, you know, so you can be well-rounded. Yes. Yes, well, that's good, 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 good. Well, hey, well, we definitely appreciate you coming on, um, and and maybe we can get you back sometime so we can go through some of that leadership training that you're doing, and oh, yeah, uh, we for can sure. get into that. We we definitely uh, appreciate the time you're giving us tonight. Um, good luck as you all prepare to start your season. I guess that's next week, isn't it? Uh, two weeks. In two weeks. Okay. All right. Two so weeks. in two weeks, you are, you are going to get started. So good luck this year. And we'll All definitely right, be in you. touch. But, again, thanks again All for right. joining us. Thanks for having me. Have a great night. Thanks, you too. Well, hey, well, we had a, a very interesting night tonight. It, it's It's been good. Uh, we've had some good guests. We had an unfortunate 
um, technical difficulty, but it sort of worked out where it was just like one segment, and we just sort of shifted things around. So there'll be a little silence in there, but I, I think it's good. Um, Mike, it, it was a good night tonight. We we definitely finished up with a good one with Nicole Dunson. Um, and it's she said something there that I, that I think is very important, and, and that is respect the grind, but make sure you're well-rounded. And I think there's a lot of times that kids get burned out in their sports. Have you ever seen that, Mike? Oh, I see it all the time, and it's, it's funny. Where we live, you, I think we see it more in baseball than yes. maybe anything else. Um, yep. And I don't know why that is because I guess they have summer leagues. They got they got you know so much going on. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know you know it's it's easy. It's easy. I, I, I you know I, you know my son plays. You know he played junior golf and high school golf, and now he's playing. Uh, college golf for USC Upstate, and and um, right. and they can certainly, you know, you can certainly beat it too much, and uh, and mm-hmm. I think he found a happy medium because he's a good kid, and and sometimes I think he needs to perfect his art a little bit more, like Nicole was saying, but because uh, he's mm-hmm. got talent, and uh, you know, but but you know, it when when they get to that level, it's kind of up to them at that point in time. Well, of what they want to do and how they do it. You exactly. got to cut them loose. And, uh, but yeah. no, that was Nicole was, she was spot on on that. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And you know, the other thing, uh, with baseball is you see a lot of kids these days with Tommy John injuries in high school. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, was, yeah. we were coming up, that, that was an old man, you know, somebody in his, in his 30s, he got that. But you're talking about people in high school just from throwing well, so much. Yeah, uh, you say that, and it's, it's funny because uh, a player that, you know, John Michael was a senior with here at Calhoun, um, mm-hmm. he got Tom John um, before he – and he, he actually went to the same school as Jay Mike um, at, at right. Upstate, and he got Tommy John is a – wasn't even playing in the spring. You know, the, the season was cut short, wow. and he was practicing to get ready. For college ball, right. and he got Tommy John and had surgery, and and um, mm-hmm. you know I think probably giving him this break in the in the fall um, will be good for him. But you're right. I mean that's an old man. They, you know, those young kids mm-hmm. getting it. Exactly, exactly. So that was good. That was good. And then of course you know uh, it was it was good having Doug on just talking about the the importance of financial literacy. Um, and, and again, you know, he hit some good points on there because you definitely got to make sure that first and foremost uh, you take care of that risk management. Um, all, too, all too often you, you see something happen to the breadwinner or one of the breadwinners in the house, and then all of a sudden, you know, they drop a poverty level because they weren't properly protected. And then the wealth That's accumulation, right. the wealth distribution, the estate planning, all those things are important. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't think about it until something happens. Um, so it's no, good to and, be proactive. Uh, you got to be proactive, well, and, and everybody needs to do those four things that he just said. Um, yeah, you know all of them. But the life insurance, the estate planning, everything is very important. Yeah. No matter how much money you have, 
because you got to protect exactly. your family, and, and that's what it's all yeah. about. That is what it's all about. And the thing is, <clears throat> um, what happens with a lot of young people is they don't even think about life insurance until they get older. When yep. they're young, it is so much cheaper. <laughs> and it, that's, yep. that's the best time to get it when you're young because it is so much cheaper. But it's uh, it's safe. It's something that you got to think about, and I think that that is just part of that financial literacy piece that that we want to make sure we help people just to think about. And then we have nope. and I, love, you know, I love listening to Doug because I love listening to finance guys. You know that was yeah. something that I thought about yeah. getting into and didn't, and uh, and I just any any little tip is great. So uh, that was a that was a pleasure. Yeah, it was. It was. It was also a pleasure to hear Chris Eckert. You know, just in his story. Um, and, and what he said there was, was very true, that what you do in failure tells you a lot about your character. And I think that's something that kids got to make sure they understand. They got to understand who they are, uh, understand their character, and that failure is going to happen. And really, failure yes. is your friend. It's your friend because it's something that you can learn from. Um, it's You might not like it when you're going through it, but the key is what are you learning when you're going through it. That's no, so and, and and failure builds character, just like you said. I loved his story about being the mm-hmm. starting quarterback and and going right. to long snapper and not giving up. I mean, I experienced a little bit of that. Um, right. You know, you know, I was left halfback, starting left halfback, going into Arkansas and uh, playing with you guys. You know, Jack and you were you were you were fullback, and I was left halfback and. And um, you know, Ted and I were tied for going into into the fall, and and uh, and right. I came out, and then I suffered that nasty concussion, and mm. and, and it was a funny story because I mean Charlie Taft, we, we called the next play, and I don't know if you remember it or not, but I ran the wrong direction, um, and wow. Charlie looked at me, Coach Taft looked at me like, "What are you doing, Flutter? What are you doing?" And and so we called it again, and I ran the wrong direction. And Andy Clawson got a hold of me and asked me who my mother was, and I didn't know what I had for lunch, and I didn't know, and some other crazy question, and I didn't know. And he said, "Okay, you're coming with me." <laughs> and so, so from there, you know, I I had the opportunity to go to to wide receiver, and I never played wide receiver in my life. I couldn't catch the ball in high school, but they taught me, and um, and I ended up starting a couple couple years, you know, one year behind Boat Wright, and then the next year uh, on my own with Kenny Fillmore right. and I exchanged the place and um, changed anything. But, uh, but you know, you got to, mm-hmm. you just like Chris was saying, you just got to, <laughs> you got to find a way. And, uh, and yep. if you don't get, you, you teach others. So I really, really yep. enjoyed um, his segment. Yeah, well, good, good. Well, hey, well, we are, we got about two minutes, so we're going to wrap this thing up. Hey, we we really appreciate everybody coming on tonight, um, listening to us. Again, we apologize uh, for the technical difficulties that we had there a little bit. Um, but I thought we had another really, really good show. And next week, again, I think we got another five-star uh, guest list, <clears throat> and we're looking forward to that as well. Uh, we're going to have a, a professional golfer on, we're going to have a special team coordinator on, we're going to have an ex-quarterback uh, from the University of South Carolina, and then we're going to have an assistant superintendent over in Gwinnett County, so another five-star list. And here's something I just want everybody just to think about, 
um, as we close tonight. And that is this. There will be obstacles. There will be doubters. There will be mistakes. But with a proper mindset and hard work, there will be no limits. There's going to be stuff that happens to you. But the key is i got to make sure that my mind is right and I put the work in. And if I put the work in with the proper mindset, the sky's the limit. I'm going to have an opportunity to do whatever I put my mind to do. And again, as we talked about earlier, i got to believe in myself first and foremost. Because if I don't believe in myself, I'm not even going to attempt to do some of the things that I can do. So go on and look at yourself. Think about what you want to do. Think about that you can do it and then find a way to go make it happen. This is Everett Sands, and I have my buddy Mike Plenum here. This is the West Foundation Sports Show, and we appreciate you all coming on, and you all have a great night. Thank you, Everett. Good night. Thanks again for joining us, Mike. Yes, sir. Thank you.